0: Welcome to the back page of video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts, and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello, Matthew. We have some big news for our listeners that we just broke to ourselves behind the scenes. Oh, when the, you say uh, that, it sounds like it's going to be like serious. <laughs> yeah, or exciting, which it's not. It's the opposite of that, really. Well, I suppose like I suppose it's just necessary. I suppose is probably the best way to put it. So, what's going to happen is in December. Me and Matthew are going to take something of a break. We're going to still make podcasts in December, including our Game of the Year episode, of course. We'll have that uh, go live at the end of the month. And there'll be maybe a couple of others, but that will be it. And we are going to pause our Patreon pledges for a month. So everyone who supports us on there, which we're incredibly grateful for, we're going to just not charge you at all in December. We'll still make those pods and we will come back in January in full force. But Matthew, I think we've both decided... We need a little break in order for the podcast to remain its best self. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I think so. We've we've both had quite busy years. We've both got very busy end of years, um, and I think we need to be able to like fully recharge and have a period where we're not working or podcasting. Um, but we'll do the usual end of the year stuff, and that'll all be fun. And we're we're already working on some some sort of some cool stuff for the end of year bits so
0: yeah Um. definitely so there will be yeah there will be bits and pieces for sure, and we'll make sure that you feel suitably nourished. We also might put a couple of um, Patreon episodes live on the free feed as well, just to tide over some other listeners. But mm. I'm sure that in this modern uh, landscape where people have empathy for people's mental health, that they won't they won't mind us taking a little break, Matthew. Yeah. And uh, like I say, you know, if they want to continue supporting us in early next year, we'd massively appreciate it. And then uh, yeah, we'll we'll carry on. I'm getting
1: big. It's Christmas time. It's time to <laughs> listen to us talk about James Bond. Bond on the free feed
0: <laughs> yeah we can put that out there i've got i'm gonna put up the um best metal gear moments as well for the um for the listeners as well because they might be getting that konami collection for christmas so um <laughs> and not it on pc so it works properly has widescreen or whatever so that's something for people to look forward to we will make sure that you have um, some stuff to listen to over the break but yeah um, the other good thing is it allows me to go to japan for two weeks so oh. if i do that i will come back with stories i will do some kind of akihabara sort of like spending spree thing i'm going to plan this trip incredibly quickly but um yeah this this is these are all things that will be good for us i think next year basically you'll just get you'll get better pods in 2024 if we take a small pause at the end of this year so uh yeah that's happening or uh
1: based on my (laughs) pop culture intake you go to japan and get killed in a very
0: elaborate um strange house (laughs) it's like oh this piece of ice fell through me from a very conveniently placed ramp that's how how inconvenient and it melted or or, or it all goes a bit audition (laughs) oh gosh yeah and it just ends come christmas
1: you're basically parts in a sack
0: (laughs) (laughs) the bonkers end of that book was when basically like the the dad in it turns to his son and goes Oh, that was a bit fucking mad, wasn't it? And then just sort of like... <laughs> that was basically the end of that book that you got me to read. I was like, oh, a weird ending this is. But a great use of a Saturday, nonetheless. Okay, so that's happening. But yeah. this episode is what we've been playing. We've got a full you know, roster of pods for November to come. So Matthew, we've got a bunch of games here. You've played loads more than me. Somehow, on top of the games that we've both played, which I know are Alan Wake 2 and Super Mario Wonder, you have also played like th- three other games? How are you doing it? How are you keeping up with this massive array of stuff?
1: A lot of them I've only played like a, a few hours of and just enough to have have an opinion no more complicated than that really
0: <laughs> fair okay yeah, okay. sorry I, don't, I, I haven't got some amazing life hack for you um, okay now we're getting into why matthew needs a pause because he just like <laughs> when asked questions like that he just feels completely defeated so uh, <laughs> okay good so okay first game we're to discuss then is alan wake 2 sequel from remedy 13 years in the making and it is a really interesting proposition because it is a harder swerve into survival horror than remedy previously did it's Gameplay mechanics are roughly similar to Alan Wake's in the sense that it is a narrative-driven game where you basically use light to burn this protective layer off of monsters before killing them, monsters normally being some kind of possessed human-type enemies. Mm -hmm. And that is all the same, but the presentation, I would say, has had a massive jolt in the arm, like the format in which that, that sort of story and gameplay is presented. So you have two different main characters in this one. Alan, who is trapped in some other place that is for the players to discover really but basically like a sort of spooky alternate dimension if you play previous alan wake games then it kind of uh kind of gives you an idea of what to expect here although i played those and just didn't really remember what had happened um and at the same time you play as a character called saga anderson who is trying to resolve a larger mystery of what happened to alan but also what happened to this author who was connected to alan as well basically unraveling the mystery of what happened 13 years ago in the events of the first game. So I think that's roughly the overarching plot, although I haven't played as much of it as you, Matthew. But yeah. I think what is really interesting is, like I say, that jolt in the arm it's had in terms of presentation means that storytelling-wise, Remedy has set their sights higher maybe than they ever have before in terms of what they can do, in terms of narrative presentation. Like it's the settings they take you to, the ideas they have. It's It's like you know, Epic Games sort of Fortnite money, basically just sort of bankrolling all of the big, crazy ideas they might have had over the years and in the mm. best possible form. It feels like it has no restrictions in the way that maybe it feels like Control did have a few restrictions in terms of what it could achieve. So mm. w- what what do you make of that as a way into discussing this game?
1: Uh, yeah, I, it, it's kind of interesting in the run-up to it, a lot of the chat about how they were using like live action and the fact that some of their preview beats revolved around like long clips of like a uh, you've probably seen clips of this like live action uh, late night chat show that Alan Wake finds himself on and you know that kind of gave me the fear that we were going to be in like quantum break territory of like you play a bit and then you sit back and watch 15 minutes of like so-so live action stuff and actually the 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 big surprise here is that you know not only that they've had this this budget to to throw at the kind of polish and production and some of the actors involved, but that they've also found uh, uh, maybe a more interesting way of mixing their live action sensibilities with the the gameplay sections, you know, the interactive virtual sections, I guess. They do a lot of interesting stuff in this game with, like... I can't really explain the effect, but it's... You know, that they've always had... Live action clips embedded in the world like you watch trailers on TV and it's got actors in and things like that but they they do some really really nice stuff with like almost like projection in this game where they kind of project live action clips not onto walls but like just in the air almost like if you if you imagine projecting an image onto smoke so it kind of hangs in front of you but it's sort of see-through. And they do a lot of interesting stuff where you can be in a space, and then they'll project like in another space over the top of that, so it kind of looks sort of dual worldy. And if you know anything about the world of Alan Wake and the fiction of Alan Wake, dual worlds and light and dark are like very key factors. So having these these weird morphing spaces are actually it's, it's kind of visually quite sensational. I've not really seen anything like it. Um, and there's been yeah several moments where I've thought oh wow they've really found a way of like folding you know their their sort of f- love of film into a video game in a much more interesting way here and um, often you'll be interacting with characters like you, you there's a you have this sort of sidekick as Saga called Alex Casey who is a th- you know mo- modelled on Sam Lake and you have his 3D model but you'll see then a flash. Of like the real Sam Lake as a video clip over the top, and um, you know maybe the, all all its talk of sort of duality and and what all this means is a little heavy handed. But there's there's no denying that like in the in, moment to moment, I've found that stuff sort of magic to see. I mean, it's 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 really like very distinct visual identity this game
0: yeah for sure i think it's it's really impressive what they do with like instant loading in this game as well you know where right you will bounce between locations or something will just appear in front of you or there's just this feeling that they're using all of the next gen bits the way that you know like the the consoles are supposed to be used in a way that you've not maybe seen before right. and i suppose like it's, it's i don't know why but it's surprising to experience that in alan wake i don't i i think it's you know, it's probably not surprising in the sense that Remedy's always been big on pushing tech as we discussed in the episode where we had Simon on. But I think it's just the fact that maybe it's a generation, because it's a generation where we haven't had loads and loads of standouts in terms of games that make you go, whoa, what a great use of the technology. That... Yeah. When you play this game and you see the ways in which they are using the technology, it does blow you away in that way you're maybe looking for. It just wasn't the place I expected to find it. You know, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just, I don't, you know, the basic bitch take of like, wow, these foggy woods look really impressive. Um, <laughs> but then when you factor on top of that, you know, the, the kind of pizzazz of the particle effects as you're kind of zapping shadow monsters with your torch, and then... You know, like you say, the ability to instantly jump into uh, the kind of it, both characters you players have like a like a mind palace type mechanic, which you instantaneously sort of like warp into this room, and you can do stuff which can then affect the world. And yeah, that's um, that's always good. Like fast loading is kind of the trick of this generation, and it's it's been used. You know. In, in 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 very few ways that have actually like jumped out at you. Like I'd say this between this and like Spider-Man 2's fast travel have been like two kind of technical
0: wow moments this year. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, it's it, it is nice to have that feeling. Final Fantasy Sixteen does it quite well as well, where you will just instantly travel across parts of the world or whatever, and just you know, or just, even just loading into the game, you're like, oh wow, I'm just back in this straight away. Just that that does have a little bit of residual magic even if it's not necessarily as big as like you know seeing the leap from ps3 to ps4 or you know ps2 to ps3 for example that's maybe not what this generation's about but yeah it's also just the fact that like the colors they use in this it just feels like quite a classy game in terms of their references it feels like they've expanded their references past being just a twin peaks pastiche as well like that's that's definitely part of the mix but it's meant it, it feels kind of like weirder it feels like it's drawing from a, a more well-rounded bunch of pop culture influencers do you get that that vibe as well
1: yeah it's yeah it's it's interesting like you know when we had Simon on the podcast he obviously said that that they they talked to him about like a true detective influence and you know I I, I think that that comes through maybe at the start in that you know you are a lawman investigating or a law person investigating a, a strange cult cult killing in in a kind of you know forested area Um, but I, I I think it it slips, it slips into like outright supernatural so quickly. I think those, those claims of sort of true detective being a a big influence, like faded quite quickly for me. Like, it's very silly, this game. I, I, like, (laughs) for all I like about it, like, I can't take it seriously, like at all. (laughs) Um, cause I, I find, I find it so over the top and so, um. You know that, that Alan you know where where Alan Wake is in this game is just outright like big mad supernatural bullshit and, um, saga's kind of half of the campaign is quite like the original Alan Wake in that it very quickly descends into madness and you know you're you're in this seemingly normal town which strangeness quickly arrives at and um, so like the kind of it, it claims that this is like a something more grown up sort of bunch of fiction (laughs) uh i don't really buy or i'm not really feeling that myself um i actually thought um from just like a a couple of exchange messages or whatever that you were going to be quite cool on this or you were cool on this to begin with
0: yeah i needed more time to cook with it and i still do really and i I, I will i will keep playing in the run-up to our game of the year episode but uh, i think it's because that first hour is really quite a, a lot of hard work and the other thing is that Saga's Mind Palace, sorry, Mind Place, uh, which she's like she says, my version of the Mind Palace technique, the mind place, and I'm like, you just removed one letter from that. But <laughs> yeah. uh um but basically just means it's a lot of like interacting with things in the in the world in a kind of almost point and click adventure style way, really. Mm-hmm. And then being added to your sort of archive of stuff, ace attorney style. And then you just jump into like a menu where basically into the sorry into the mind place where you arrange all of the things you've been collecting around the environments, so your, your different clues, onto this big board. And there's a lot of like spamming, like, oh, does this one go here? There's like these subheaders, subheaders of like, you know, cult killings. And so does it go there? No. Does it go into victim's body? And I'm just I don't think it's easy to engage with it as a detective experience, but it's kind of trying to get you to think that way. But I don't think it's like yeah. it handles that side of things that well and so it's it's very linear that side of the game like i wouldn't call this a
1: a proper detective game by any like stretch of the imagination
0: (laughs) no and so i think it it actually is quite challenging to push through that a little bit because the game is asking you to do something very specific and you just want to get on with it and find out what the story is but you're constantly pausing and jumping into this other screen and trying to solve this thing and i think that created some and still is really creating some pacing issues with it and I think like when it when it sort of got to the slightly weirder alan stuff which does feel like what it's got it's where all the big ideas have gone is what's happened to alan what's going on in alan's world like a lot of the big sort of like what i suppose you might call horror set pieces have gone seem to be happening to him at least in what i've played so far i think like the the when the saga action kicked off and then it it's sort of like it emerged the game is basically original alan wake crossed with resi 2 remake yeah it's you know, you write down to the font is very Resy Two remake as right. well. I think they it feels like they've even lifted the interface. That that's when it starts to click. I'm like I don't think this it is quite as good combat wise as Resy Two remake. I think that Capcom are just sort of in a league of their own with that. That stuff. Yeah. But um but it's close enough and it's definitely better than the original L Awake, which is in its favour um and yeah they seem to have like just more of a grasp on what it is it's maybe it's got the potential to be less repetitive I mean I guess you are further into it you can speak to that but I think yeah it was just that that opening where it's just it's quite challenging pacing wise but then it eventually finds its footing and then you're like oh no i kind of get what they're doing with this now and then you're flipping between the two different characters and that is quite stimulating as a player experience so yeah it's actually like getting to the point where it's clicking now but did you have any of those sort of like teething issues or were you going to just straight into it oh no this is pretty cool
1: no a a little bit i mean i I like the sort of you know I, i i like very you know expensive polished detective games you know it's it, it, even if the actual detective systems were a pretty basic or non-existent it sort of ticks that la noir box of walking into a crime scene and and just thinking like well what the hell's going on here you know like there's been a big ritual killing there's always like weird symbols there's a body arranged in a weird way you know i i like the the theater of those moments uh, in in 3d crime games so, so that works for me. The, the the weird thing about the mind place is I think it becomes more valuable, or definitely makes more sense as the game goes on, because as you start flipping between them, like the chapters are quite long, you can spend quite a long time with Alan. I mean, you can literally, once you have the choice to switch between the two, you can pursue either storyline all the way to the end, or alternate if you want. So, in theory, you could leave Saga for You know, ten hours or whatever, and then come back and not have a clue what's going on. And actually, having this mechanic, which step by step talks you through every scenario, is quite handy as like an inbuilt recap. So uh, I value that system there. If anything, I kind of wish there was the equivalent of that in Alan's world because, you know, I have been playing it, alternating. You know, I do one chapter as one, then I switch the other. And whenever I go back, I'm always a little bit like, what the fuck was I doing? What's going on here? Um, and it doesn't help that it's all very sur- surreal and shifting anyway. But um, I, th- that that was something I was like down on at the start, kind of understood as it went on. So l- less of a problem. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I have this, this nagging feeling like it's all going to be total nonsense. You know, <laughs> I've, I've played, I don't know, I'm probably like halfway, two thirds way through it now. And I'm enjoying it, and like beat to beat, there's there's some interesting stuff. It takes you to some really fun locations, um, particularly Saga, like some of the the weird stuff that they've added around outside Bright Falls. Um, feels quite true to the first game, but sort of elevated in certain ways. Um, there's a really good theme park area that you'll you'll get to, which is which is quite cute. But yeah, like. I don't. I couldn't tell you what the what's happening in the story. To, like I just don't understand it. Like there's there's so many layers of sort of weird like meta nonsense that I I don't know. I think maybe you're just meant to just enjoy the silliness of it and go along. But you know, I imagine there'll be you know hour long YouTube videos breaking all the law down and explain what it all means. I mean, there was for the original. I was you know I was reading about the original and was like God. Most of this went over my head, or you know, I kind of eye rolled my way out of it. And there's a there's a bit of that here too, and that that's like that puts like a natural cap, I think, on how much I can enjoy it. You know, <laughs> just the sheer daftness of it all, and you know, the that? Mm. I just uh, I just got a feeling it's like going nowhere, or it's going to be like the end of
0: the first one, like a big to be continued again. Well, it's interesting because I what I realized about Alan Wake the character. Is that I'd missed his company. That he is the he is the ultimate good, bad hang. Like because oh, yeah. <laughs> I just heard his voice again and I'm like, oh, here he is, what a preposterous man he is writing his <laughs> his stories that come to life or whatever. Like it just what a ridiculous character he is. But it's such a distinctive voice as well. Uh, I think it's Matthew Peretta, I think is the voice actor. Very, very yeah. good. And like it that just sort of really sort of jumps out and I'm like, Oh yeah, I just remember Like Alan Wake felt different enough to the games of the time in 2010 that I just found it incredibly endearing and here we are 13 years later and blockbuster games are arguably like have even less personality than ever and Alan Wake 2 is a game where a ton of money has been spent to do something quite specific and even if I think that adds just adds up to vibes you know just like um, yeah that I think that's still worth it because the vibes are so well executed, like the, you know, whether it's the live action segments or just like the beautiful environmental design, the way things are lit, the animation on different char- on like the characters' faces, just presentation is just mm. immacu- Is immaculate. And so I think where I'm at, I'm going to enjoy the journey. But you are further into it than me. Do you think it's too long, Matthew, as someone who has been it's, going at it a while?
1: Yeah, it's quite a lot. I'd say every individual chapter is about 20 minutes too long. Right, um, right. Like, just when you feel like, oh, I've really seen this this area and it's sort of done everything it can do. And then there'll just be, like, another couple of fights. And, like, there just isn't the enemy variety and there isn't the depth to the combat that you get in, like, you know, a Resident Evil 4, say, you know, in terms of, like, the weapon uh, evolution isn't quite interesting enough. You know, there, there is character skills and weapon upgrades and that kind of stuff like it's a it's a fuller game than Alan Wake 1 but it's it's still pretty shallow as far as that genre goes Mm. and so yeah like it definitely it definitely sags but then every chapter so far has had one thing where I've been like oh I'm really glad I saw this location or you know it, it does some big kind of gimmicky set pieces I think Simon alluded to like that they, they have their version of, like, their ashtray maze, like a big musical set piece. Um, they have, like, an equivalent of that here. And when that happens, it is really exciting. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. I'm having a great time. But, yeah, the Allen levels particularly are, like, all a little bit too long um, mm. when you get into them. Like, there's this hotel that just seemed to go on forever. Um, and it's just, like, stress. It's just a constant level of stress and tension. That mm. it, it it needs to be able to like let off, uh, you know, just let go of it every once in a while, and it and it doesn't. Yeah, so mm. uh, yeah, it's 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 good. I'm not quite feeling the nines and tens, I'll say on this one, but um, it got it, a big eight energy to me. It, this be, one, yeah. But <laughs> like, like you know, that's that's still pretty great in this year. You know, like yeah. that's that that's fine, and it's it's super interesting. It's a game I'd like recommend. Like most people play, just to see like look look what Remedy are up to aren't they interesting <laughs> in the, in the in in that kind of mainstream space you know I, I celebrate uh, that creativity I just wonder if it's sort of gonna gonna be a whole lot of nothing in the end but we'll see yeah
0: I I sort of feel that way too actually as someone who actually you know spent 50 pounds on it I feel like it's showing me things I haven't seen in another game this year and therefore it's worth the cost of admission <laughs> right so. right yeah so i will persist matthew and see if it breaks my uh, top 10 for the year but um mm. yeah so it's, uh, it's an interesting little thing well not a little thing because epic spent loads of money on it but uh i thank you thank them for their sacrifices it's a good use of uh you know spying like ant-man skins or whatever people do in Fortnite. so um i'm happy with that nonetheless so matthew what about your first game here what do you got for me i got chance of
1: Sonar, which is run discs language puzzler uh i i can't remember why i started playing it i've well i I've, I've seen i've seen it came out a few months ago i'm i'm not like um ahead of the curve on this one at all uh and i'd i've heard actually on the discord i think lots of people had, had, had mentioned it as a, as a thing they'd enjoy you are basically a masked figure climbing a tower where everyone speaks a language you don't speak and the central mechanic is figuring out that language so that you can figure out the various puzzles that stand in your way that may be anything from just being able to understand like the instructions you're being given to be able to sort of solve a puzzle to more complicated stuff like being able to read signs or riddles or or, or you know the the actual once you've got the language down, the actual parsons themselves are pretty simple, but what's interesting here is 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 how they've tackled this system of deciphering this symbol based language. And for me, it 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 plays like a slightly more satisfying version of Heaven's Vault, that Inkle game, which was also about interpretation and translation of like hieroglyphics you are a sort of an archaeologist in some
0: sort of weird space world uh
1: did you play that back in the day
0: no but i i do remember it being just sort of like universally celebrated it, quite complex but people who got yeah. into it were like this is one of the best games of the year you know
1: yeah it, 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 it was great it's it was but it was very highbrow almost like it almost resisted being a game in a way that I don't think Chance of Sonar does. I think Chance of Sinar's happy having kind of quite firm answers. So what, not not a problem with Heaven's Vault, but one of its big threads was that, you know, all the points it was trying to make was that we will never truly, like, understand um, these civilizations and that what we interpret is only that. It's an interpretation. There, you know, it was a game which refused to say... Yes, this is the correct answer. Where this game, like, the language has a very hard and fast meaning and it has mechanics in place where you get basically get the opportunity to like bank a a few symbols at the same time and, like, lock them in place so that you know that, yes, this symbol definitely means door, this symbol definitely means open. Up until that point, whenever you see a symbol, you literally bring up, like, the PlayStation keyboard and type in what you think it means so that whenever you see it, it will then put that word on screen. So, you know, you might... You may see someone kind of say, like, point to a gate and say something and you're like, well, I know the thing they're saying to me is probably, like, open that gate or open that door. So you put down your interpretation of it, and a bit later you'll lock it in and it'll go, yes, that word's open, yes, that word's door, and that's locked in. So bit by bit you're kind of, like, actually chipping away at the language in a way, which in Heaven's Vault you never did. It was always a little bit like, well, you know, makes you think, and... As someone who likes quite like black and white right answers and wrong answers in games, um, like uh, yeah, I don't want to say chances is, like heaven's fault for sort of dummies because it's still <laughs> it, it's still like I'd say any game which is about deciphering a language system is reasonably highbrow, mm. um, but it's a version it's like it's high it's highbrow for me. It's like it's the difference between an A A uh, A at GCC and an A star, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's the nice way of putting it yeah. I'm,
1: I'm very like i'm happy surfing along at my a-level man you know um yeah. that's <laughs> where um you know john john Ingold at uh on behind heaven's vault is like quite galaxy
0: brained um it's and... like it's like like Catherine was big heaven's vault uh, personally. yeah yeah. Yeah, she,
1: yeah and yeah and she's much smarter than i am so that's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically but yeah I, 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 yeah and if anything she played the demo of this and was like oh it was a bit basic so <laughs> <laughs> it's Amazing. actually the perfect comparison yeah um yeah and and so yeah you go through this tower you, you work out this thing what i really love is is the way that you know almost in that kind of oba way the way it, it sort of seeds what the language actually means like Sometimes you'll see someone like barking instructions at someone and someone else doing something. So you're like, well, I know the thing they're saying to them has to involve these kind of terms. And, and you know, and then you'll cross-reference that with what someone says somewhere else and how someone reacts to that. And gradually you begin to kind of like work it all out. And, you know, when you finally do slot the symbols in and it goes, yes, this means that and that means this that's very satisfying. So I I feel like it, it leaves you enough room to do some actual detective work, but also gives you that hard and fast, like, you know, you can start building out more answers from these correct answers. And as the game goes on and you ascend this tower, you're basically making your way through tiers of this society. And each tier has its own language system. So just as you've mastered one place, you're suddenly in a place where you don't understand what the fuck anyone's talking about. And like... Maybe there are similarities maybe you can see like how one set of symbols has evolved into the next, and you can start kind of drawing connections there but um I, I think it's I think it's a really neat balance of like sort of the cerebral and the kind of you know the clean rules of a video game which are which both of which appeal to me so it's um I think it's pretty great actually um you know drawn in this very nice sort of
0: um, Mobius style
1: yeah that's right yeah yeah um yeah very handsomely done like quite you know it feels like quite a bit I've probably been playing it for like six seven hours I'm not quite at the end yet it's quite you know decent size but every area like when you finally crack the code and you work out like what people are saying, and then you get to go back through the level and like you understand everyone, and you realise that the guy who seemed very threatening was actually saying something quite nice to you, or this you know guy who kind of like quite aggressively waved a fist at you was actually just cracking a gag about another character you'd met, and th- 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 there's like enough payoff for like deciphering this world. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a cool little thing. Really weird that like focus. Uh, Publish this game like i don't really know where it fits in in the grand scheme of things like it's not Mm. like not really an indie game but it's not obviously like a warhammer game
0: (laughs) yeah doesn't have rats in it either doesn't
1: have rats in it uh not yet um yeah i've just yeah i've i've enjoyed it it's been um very sort of uh
0: nourishing to play yeah yeah it seems like you know, it's quite a feat to be, you know, like, a, let's not use the word indie because that has become, you know, a bit of a lightning rod in recent weeks. But, you know, a sort of mid-sized publishers, you know, one of their lower-budgeted titles you would expect, right, based on the, the, yeah. the way it looks and feels. But, like, to get the attention it's been getting, regardless of that, in this year, given how busy this year is, I think does speak to the fact that it is quite distinctive as a proposition. And probably bringing the barrier down for understanding the language element of it is it's probably yeah. exactly why it's resonating with people you know because you don't yeah. need that next level of like clever clogs to really wrap your brain around yeah, it so,
1: it's uh, yeah like uh, yeah I, th- I think like the heritage it's part of it like is it is a, like an Obra dinner like at its heart or or a golden idol and i think if you if you're into those kind of like slightly more elevated investigative games mm. um i think that that will scratch that itch that's definitely how it works for me but you know not about murders like those games are but you know language and you do feel like a little bit of a clever clogs when you're like oh well when they whenever i see like this dash on a symbol that means it's like a plural of this or you know this symbol this this element which is repeated in symbols means it there's there's like a person or a there's like a noun in there somewhere you know it's describing a you know if they've you know all the jobs start with like a horizontal line or whatever and you begin to sort of see that like that it must have taken them fucking ages to, like nail what those symbols uh, that that system of symbols was um but you do feel you know you feel pretty. You
0: feel pretty good about yourself when you crack it. Mm. Ah, good stuff. Well, I do have this on the old Epic Games press account, oh, Matthew. Right. So I'll give it a whirl in the coming weeks. See how that goes. You'll think but, it's um, a load of old wank. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I really like the art style. Actually, like the movie thing jumped out me because I just love games that look like that. It's you know, it's still something that I've only you only ever see intermittently as like an influence in games and and rarely done that well. So it's um yeah appealing for sure. Okay, so another big hitter, Matthew, for our next one. Super Mario Wonder. Yes. So, yes, this game asks the question... You know, if we talk about how the 3D Land and 3D World games, right, basically translate 2D Mario into 3D, this basically translates 3D Mario into 2D. It's the idea onslaught 2D Mario. And... I'm a third of the way through it, Matthew. I've done the first like two worlds, climb that big mountain thing basically. Mm. And I kind of want to save the rest for Christmas because it feels like the ultimate Christmas game to me. But it has been so easy to play, so delightful. The ideas are so good. Each level has basically its own idea. Um I can't remember what the what is the power up, Matthew, that gives that basically sends Ma- uh, sends Mario into his like a big kind of like I've taken a load of drugs kind of state because that's, that's kind of that's like the, the vibe. What's of it. the
1: Wonder Flower?
0: a wonder flower right because the wonder seeds are what you collect right yeah. that's the yeah okay so you basically find the wonder flower and then it 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 changes something fundamental in the rest of the level where basically the level will become a set piece of some kind it's it's basically like a 2D mario game that asks what if you you know what if we use a bag of tricks that we never used in 2D Mario before and did proper set pieces, things that you could just couldn't build in a Mario Maker game essentially. It's just like yeah. <laughs> you know the nin- Nintendo hand of God at work basically, and it's absolutely magic. I'm just uh, really just like blown away by how good it is. But I think because when it was announced, like I, I know there was like a good vibe from it because you know it looked a little bit more interesting than recent 2D Mario games have. They've been a little bit sort of flat and. You know, a, on a bit of a critical decline as well. It feels like the new Super Mario Bros. People were just like less and less impressed by that each time it popped up. Mm. This does feel like they've genuinely got out of their way to surprise players, and there was like this kinder surprise element to every single level that yeah. I love. You just don't know exactly what it's going to throw up. Sorry to repeat a couple of my tweets there, Matthew. No, and, um, no, no, podcast. No good. good tweets. Thank you, but I think it's just delightful and has sh- shot straight up to one of my favourites of the year. How do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I mean it. it I think when you know the people involved in this and I think we talked about this before that it's um the producer on this game is or has been the lead producer on 3D Mario so it's it's the guy who was the he directed Mario Galaxy 2 he directed 3D Land um and then produced Super Mario Odyssey they basically took him from ead tokyo or whatever that studio is now called and put him as the producer on this and yeah he he, i if, if you read the interviews he applied the process which was the thought process behind galaxy and uh 3d land to a 2d mario and and lo and behold it makes yeah another absolute sort of platforming dazzler um You know, it it has exactly the same rhythm of Galaxy of like anything can happen in the next level. You're always excited to see what it is. You know, comes up with mechanics, brilliant mechanics, enemy types, transformations, you know, level furniture gimmicks. And then just instantly sort of throws them away and it's on to the next. His system, by the way, is really no more complicated than everyone on the team puts loads of ideas on like a thousand post-it notes. (laughs) And then they prototype all of them and just keep the best ones. Huh. Um, like, he, he he's often talked about this post-it note system, and they can be anything, you know? What I like about it is some of them are mechanical twists, you know, like, you know, the, the, the Mario transformations, or, you know, a certain sort of enemy as vehicle, or, you know, something along those lines. And then sometimes the gimmick might just be a gag, you know? It might be, you know, a load of plants are going to sing a funny song, and... You do not really do anything, you'll just kind of walk along listening to this funny song. Or what happens if you know the Mario pipes all come alive and start wiggling around? Like, it doesn't really mean much, but you're like, mm. Oh, okay, well, I've not seen that before. Um, that was funny. But then sometimes there are mechanics where you're like, I could play a whole game of that, you know? Like, there, there, there's a few levels which revolve around like rhythm and things only happening if Mario like jumps on the beat. And that's almost like a sort of necrodancer type thing, or there'll be, you know, uh, I mean, God, and so like, if, if anything, it's so rich in ideas that you will have forgotten hundreds of them, like at any given time. Um, yeah it almost has that Uncharted 3 thing where every level had so many, like, big set pieces, you only remembered, like, two bits of the game at the <laughs> end because you were like, oh, my brain can't actually hold this many stuff. <laughs> that, especially things that only happen for, like, 10 seconds. Um yeah. Like, and, and that's maybe, like... I wouldn't say that's, a ne- like, ever a negative, but, you know, there, there, there are maybe moments where I've been, like... I could I could have played like a lot more of that one thing, or yeah, you know that like some of you know twenty of these levels are extraordinary compared to the hundred which are like merely very good. And maybe you know what if they'd drilled down deeper into the extraordinary rather than just throwing stuff away so rapidly? Um, it's I also find it, and I think you've said this about a, a th- one of the three D marries in the past. I actually I find it a little bit exhausting. Mm. like i can't play it for more than like an hour because after an hour you've seen so much weird shit in this game that i'm like i become sort of slightly dull to it in a way that i have to kind of step away kind of go back to my boring life kind of reset remember what it is to be normal and then come back and kind of get pulled through this sort of mad hedge backwards again um (sighs) it's just it's it's like almost busy to a fault (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I was on a, a train journey. I started at six thirty the other day, and I booted this at like seven a.m. And guess what? <laughs> it's too fucking early for Mario Wonder at seven a.m. When you've had about six hours sleep. It was not the one dog. So right. yeah, I, I, that that is true. And I think it, that's why it's best played in bursts and not. You don't you shouldn't use it up too fast because, again, you don't know how long it'll be until they make another one. Right? That's always right. the thing with Mario games. So there's that part of it but i do also think that yeah like the wild experimentation means that not every idea works as well as others like you say but to just live in them for like 30 seconds is is all you need really like it's yeah. the one that stands out to me actually is the one where it goes top down where oh, basically like yeah you're...
1: and that's but that's like that's that's like galaxy mad galaxy shit i love that yeah yeah
0: i, I no, but I, I really love that too and i i did i wasn't there thinking i'd love to play a whole game of this but basically you, you get the wonder flower and then like there's this sort of like there's a particular like sort of like blue background in this level that basically becomes the playing space for when you're walking around top down in this playing space mm. dodging enemies and stuff and i was like that is fucking amazing when it was over i just felt like wow just well done well done on the execution of this just for like you know basically like yeah 30 seconds to 45 seconds really yeah. really good so uh, man what a treat what an absolute treat and i i i i absolutely underestimated this then i saw the reviews and i was like oh shit okay i guess this is like yeah i I think a
1: lot of people did like it's Mm. you know but i think that's more to do with just 2d mario has been so conservative for so long and like nintendo nintendo like it feels like they've not had to do anything interesting with it because they've all sold quite well because it's traditional mario it's mario as most of the public know it is new super mario brothers so actually to take it and go, oh no, we're going to do something like really, really out there with it. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, the, I always over rely on these Nintendo interviews, but I do find them fascinating. You know, like you get a sense of some of these people from having read interviews with them in a over the years and seeing like people who have long been associated with 2D Mario really energised. By this new approach, and by like Mr. 3D Mario basically coming in and going, it's okay for us to go like fucking crazy on this. Like, even Koji Kondo, the composer, who can sometimes be, you know, like. He's been around for so long, and, you know, he's just sort of churning out the, the, the sort of same old stuff again and again. You know, he was talking about, like, all the mad bullshit he was suggesting for the game, and, like, some a lot of it didn't make the cut because his stuff was just too weird. Like, turns out Koji Kondo's, like, a mad freak. Um, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> that I love. Um, there was stuff in that interview about how um, one of the pitches was the whole game was going to have a commentary over the top of it. Like... That was one of the gimmicks suggested, like, there'd be sports commentators, and that actually got boiled down to the flowers that are in the game now, who kind of Mm. pass comment on you as you go by, because they were like, it was too much to have just a mad voice barking at you for the whole (laughs) game, so instead we'll have these flowers that, like, I quite like, I mean, they're dumb as hell, but... Like, something amazing will happen, and then there'll inevitably be a flower there who'll go like, wow, that was crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, it sure was. <laughs> you know, like, they often speak exactly how
0: I'm feeling.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, they, I like them.
0: <laughs> sometimes they're like, that was a hard one or whatever, and you're like, yep, it was. Good Good commentary. Yeah, yeah they're, they're funny, because I think they take a tiny bit of acclimatizing, because they're right. not something you've you've you know encountered in other Mario games. And the voice is a little bit i don't know it doesn't sound very nintendo-y to me right, as, yeah. as a voice so there's a bit of a yeah acclimatizing to that too but <laughs> yeah i agree it's uh it's a nice touch and it sounds like they had the right amount of restraint there in terms of yeah. like, in- implementing that idea so that's good but it's, uh
1: it is, it's it's really good i mean there's there's a lot of, like discussion around this game and like difficulty and whether basically it's a lack of difficulty matters like if you're having this kind of fun and it's throwing all this mad stuff and like maybe that speaks to the stuff I was saying earlier where you think oh maybe I'd like to see like what the hard version of each of these levels is you know like mm. this mechanic has enough nuance to it to like put really to put Mario through his paces like I'd, I'd love to actually have to master some of these things. Like mastery isn't really this game's deal. It's it's more about just like go with the crazy flow. And you know, it's introducing you to so many ideas so quickly that it almost it, it feels like they feel like they they can't push it too far because they can't tutorialize anything properly. Because you're just there and you're like, it's almost that warriorware thing of like, oh right, it's everything's a bit slow. Okay, I'll do that now. And like, oh, in this level, it's all upside down. Or like, now I'm a ball. <laughs> or you know now I'm floating around, or you know now I'm walking backwards or whatever, and it, like that they, they feel like well it would ruin the moment if it was then like a fucking nightmare to to actually do this. Like it, it it feels like they're like willing you to the to the the um the flagpole at the end of every level, but that's you know they're hard. There have been loads of hard games this year, so who cares, right?
0: Yeah, and there are like some levels that are notably harder like they they demark yeah demarcate where the difficult difficult levels are and so you get a, a, like some of that stimulation even if you're not necessarily getting it across the entire game so yeah i think it's i think it balances out okay this is also just like uh, this is just a The level of experience I am personally looking for at the moment, I think that's okay. And also, some of the optional, like what is the the equivalent of like the stars, the red stars you get in this one, like the purple ten coin things that you can get, they're actually quite fucking hard to get. So, you know, I'm not saying that necessarily adds like you know like a mastery level to it, but you do have to like kind of come back to those, I think, to really like understand how to get all of them. Yeah. Um, Plus, there's the element where you basically have like loadouts for Mario now because he has these (laughs) little badges, right? So. They add kind of like different abilities too. Are they badges? Is that the term they use? Matthew? Yeah, yeah,
1: they're badges. They sort of yeah. like you know give you like a floaty jump or a, a better uh, you know kick when you're underwater or things like that. So you're meant yeah. to like match them to the levels. To I, I bet you can pull off some like mad shit if you match the right badge to the right level.
0: Definitely, but you know that again is just another layer of ideas they've added, right? Because they're like, mm. okay, for this level, we want you to just be able to do this one thing, and so. We're going to give you that the power to do that and that's not something that previous D mario games have done so i don't know i think that i think it's got plenty of longevity in it i don't think it's like certainly got as much longevity in it as the 3d the 3d land and world games like it's a, about as hard as those i would say yeah um and that's okay i think it for me that's that's you know it does the trick
1: yeah uh, yeah It it, ha- it has some of the same i wouldn't say problems but like you know, one of my complaints with the 3D LAN and world games, and I apologise to long-term listeners of this podcast, because I'm going to sound like a broken record here. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I felt like those games had a had a slight issue with escalation in that, like, a level would introduce an idea, escalate it a little bit, and then it would be over just as, as you mastered it. And mm. I think the same would be true here, except that, like, in this sort of you know, this sort of three-act structure which Nintendo have talked about in the past in relation to the Galaxy games. Um, The the weird thing about Wonder is that a level will have its own gimmick and it will introduce it. You'll probably spend, like, a minute in that mechanic. So, like, there's this weird enemy type, you know, there's loads of balls running around and you have to jump over them or whatever. Um, But then when you get to the third act, which is normally where that idea would really ramp up and test you, that's where you have the wonder flower and the level becomes an entirely different level so it, it, it's mm. it's it's quite like it's quite odd in that sense you know like that maybe i'd like to see what those levels look like without the wonder flower perhaps or that there's, there's i haven't i haven't quite kind of un unpicked that thought but i think i think there's something something interesting there which is why this isn't like this isn't quite like the galaxy of 3d games for me you know it is merely a brilliant 2d mario game and how lucky are we to finally get one of those after a long long time but is it like you know it's not like 10 territory for me
0: no but it is i think it's firmly nine territory based on what i've played so far like it's that's what it feels like to me anyway but um
1: yeah yeah i yeah yeah i I, I, want to sort of finish it and sort of see it through i'm about two words two thirds of the way through and um it is it is brilliant. Like it's like even like Mario's movements amazing in the game, and like the the use of sound to like um, mark his acrobatics. Like there's like a little kind of guitar sort of strum when he jumps, and when he does a butt slam, there's like a little tsh, tsh, like a, a a little drum roll with a sort of cymbal clash, and um, it feels yeah, it's, it's you know just it, it sounds and feels you know delightful to play in a way that um the new mario games just were Were so kind of mechanically conservative in that in that way um yeah quite... i
0: knew they were never good matthew i knew they were yeah, never good no, it's,
1: <laughs> it's not they're not good you know they they are like and they're heart they're much harder games the new the new mario games i think um than this uh i was terrible on new super Mario's uh the the wii u one was quite tough and the, the luigi spin-off was a fucking nightmare of a game. But the um, ones
0: before that were quite gentle, weren't they? Yeah, the DS ones were
1: definitely were Yeah, the other uh, interesting thing about this one is, uh, and and this isn't an original thought. Like I've definitely seen other people say this, but uh, it like really reminds me of Rayman Legends in lots of ways. Mm. Like Rayman Legends also had that quite richness of imagination. You know, it had. You know, maybe just because there are some some musical levels, very different style of musical levels in Wonder, but that that puts me in mind of Rayman. But also, like the the even the animated style on it, like where it's sort of three D but slightly hand drawn, so looks looks quite cartoony. You know, Nintendo never. You know, they, they claim to sort of exist in this sort of bubble where they don't react to other people's work, but there's a there's a bit more of that kind of like slapstick comic energy of rayman in this one like it's quite daft like a lot of the enemy designs are like a number of new enemies for one like there's so many more enemy types in this than there's been in a 2d mario for years and um they're very like they remind me of rayman enemies like the the big balls and all these weird sort of strange multicolored animals with big bulging eyes they they're they're very reminiscent of that but um You know, like I say, not an original thought.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to keep playing it as well, Matthew, and kind of see how I feel about it by the end. And I think, yeah, again, I'm just going to, like take my time with it and not burn through all those ideas too quickly because like i say when it's gone it's gone but also it's just it is nice to savor it and yeah. stop and think about it a little bit it's like the perfect hour at a time game basically yeah. so uh, I, yeah and i would i would like to play it with someone as well in co-op that is something i would like to try like right. that's an, another part of the game too I, I, I can't imagine it adds much you know what i mean but it feels very tailored for a single player experience because of the set piecey nature of it but yeah i'd like to try it some of those set pieces would be fun in multiplayer like when the level starts turning basically completely like in the entire land b- below you is like just spinning around and you just have to kind of like keep hopping over objects to avoid being like thrown into the abyss like that yeah. sort of stuff could be good in in four players so uh yeah yeah good Wait, stuff
1: uh, i also wanted to ask very quickly uh where you stand on hmm. the new mario voice
0: uh i barely even notice really to be honest like it's it's kind of it's a bit of a shrug from me like, do you have a strong feelings on it no not really <laughs> there you go r.i.p charles martinet or slightly yeah. throatier
1: there's, there's there's certain sounds so you're like oh yeah that's a different guy
0: yeah i don't really get why they that was such a big deal why they made a big deal about it while it was yeah. like here's the the get you know like the the going away celebration for charles Martinet, where it felt like he was being put in some kind of cupboard very bizarre as like a an undertaking for Nintendo that. So uh, I don't know mm. if it needed a bigger deal. They might as well have just change it and not told anyone and then let people can notice afterwards and be like, oh, that sounds a bit weird. Oh, they replaced him. Oh, okay, fine. Let's move on. But <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, so, Matthew, another of your games here. Uh, so a sequel to one of your unexpected favorites. So, yeah, what's, uh, what's the deal here? This is The Talos Principle 2, a
1: 3D puzzle game set in uh well i was gonna say set in abstract mazes not so much it's uh it's kind of it's kind of a difficult one to to neatly sum up of a talus principle because it's a puzzle game but it doesn't really revolve around like a central puzzle mechanic in the style of a portal say it's it's not a game where every puzzle is built out from from one central idea it's a, a game with quite a lot of puzzle types, a, a lot of them slightly old-fashioned, like pressure pads or bouncing light beams to hit special light switches, things which you've probably seen like a million times in lots of other games which have, which have dabbled in smaller versions of these puzzles. This just does a lot more complicated versions of them and sort of blows them out. Um, in the first game, you were in this simulated world solving, uh, you know, room upon room of these sort of slightly abstract sort of physics-y puzzles, I guess, and you should play that game, it's very good, so I won't won't spell it out exactly what happens, but uh, where that game ends sort of births a new world, uh, which the Talos Principle 2 is set inside. This is now the real world, it's no longer a simulated world, so this instantly has the benefit of being like more traditionally beautiful like it's still puzzle chambers but they're embedded in these Almost halo-like sci-fi landscapes, these big green valleys or strange mountain tops with little kind of weaving paths. It, you know, it's it's a huge visual step up. It's like the triple A version of Talos Principle One, and for that reason, I think it instantly becomes a little bit more accessible because it just looks like you know, a, 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 you know, a more traditionally pretty video game place that you'd want to explore. Um Using you know modern hardware you know to t- to create some some p- pretty spectacular vistas, and where the first game communicated a lot through audio diaries and like a booming voice of a kind of a god figure in that world and computer terminals you know the world you 've you 've stepped into at the end of tower 's principle one has Uh, a lot of other robots in it you play a robot I should say Um, there are are loads of other robots in it so there are characters you are meeting talking with and for that reason it, it feels like they've just taken the core idea of puzzle rooms from the first game but dressed it up in the trappings that I think most people would expect from most sort of story puzzle adventure games you know there's there's a prettier world there are other people for you to meet there aren't like side quests as such but there are there are like more more uh, like regular uh side activities so it, it it feels uh it feels a lot more welcoming to you know gamers who expect you know worlds to behave like this does that make sense
0: uh sort of this is quite a hard game to get your head around generally because yeah, i think like, I, them going down the route of it's set for the first one a lengthy puzzle game from nine years ago is actually like quite a hard proposition up front you know
1: yeah but well, that's their, their thing Like it's set it's technically set a thousand years after the first game right um, right and in that time basically in that time what was a very abstract world has become a much more uh recognizable reality and so as a result of that it is like more interesting um more accessible um it's you know it has the kind of sort of veneer of accessibility that the first one maybe didn't have you mm. know the first one was like you're in a weird fucking pyramid doing like lots of like bouncing puzzles this one is you're in this beautiful forest doing you know a a better variety of puzzles um Mm. so i didn't very elegantly sum that up but um i i just if you put put both of them in front of most people most people would go oh well this one looks like something i'd actually play because it has people i can talk to and it has like more of an obvious story it still has the same like big ideas and you know it's, it's it's you know absolutely packed with like sort of philosophy and and myth and and historical ideas um but they're just they're packaged in a in a much friendlier way like it feels like a big it's never going to push that far into the mainstream but it feels like like a much more mainstream game to me um and it's probably like a better hang because of that Mm. um also it just has a much greater variety of of puzzles so it starts off with you you know very recognizable light bouncing puzzles Um, but then it'll introduce like a machine which kind of bores holes in the wall a bit like a portal machine so suddenly solid walls have holes in them you can shoot light through those you can pass objects through those and you'll have a world which revolves around that and then in the next world there'll be a machine which you have to pump different colored light in to produce other colored light to solve puzzles and then in the next world it'll layer in Uh, now there are other robots that you can kind of project your conscious into and you're now playing like... Oh, what was that 2D game? Not the Splitter. What was it called? The Swapper. The Swapper. It's like, now in this world, it kind of plays like the Swapper for a bit. And, mm. you know, in the Portal world, it plays a little bit like Portal for a bit. And uh, it, it just, it it feels like bigger in every way, like way more ideas, a much faster like turnaround of those ideas. Still has the ultra difficult kind of like almost witness level kind of hidden puzzles, like the the meta puzzles there for the people who really like dug that stuff in the first game. Um, but it, it also it, it has a more obvious path through the game for the more casual player, and I th- I think that's that strikes a, a nicer balance. Um you know, I I guess for me what I like about the Talos principle, and particularly the sequel, is you know, I find a lot of puzzle games, while mechanically very sophisticated they're often so sort of reduced or like abstract in their sort of visuals that i uh, you know I, 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 I get i just get like bored of looking at the same thing hmm. you know over like an hour and I have to step away from it and so I've bounced off stuff which is probably more sophisticated um than this, but like this strikes that balance of like there's there's enough to the puzzles, but there's also like there's enough like pretty graphics, really, idiots like me. Um, you know, it's a bit like Chance of Sonar with uh, Heaven's Vault again. You know, it's it's kind of it's it's very smart, but not too smart. You know, it's just smart enough. It's it's the perfect Goldilocks puzzle game.
0: <laughs> but it goes down smooth because it looks so nice. You yeah, know? Like, and you're yeah. just
1: like, oh, this is really nice. This just this looks like um, I'm, I again that sounds crude. It looks like a modern video game. You know. Like, yeah, it cares about presentation a lot more than the first game did.
0: Yeah, it looks quite big budget, I would say. Like it right. just de- deceptively so. Like it's a very shiny looking thing. So, because you know, obviously that first game landed, you know, right when indie games were massively taking off, right, and and probably yeah. everyone there was probably a weekend when nothing else came out and everyone hoovered it up and played through it. And so, years later, they probably thought, well, if we're going to do a sequel, we might as well go well. Yeah, I... So, uh, yeah.
1: The first one is like explicitly built from assets from Serious Sam,
0: <laughs> right? Right. And that was right. that.
1: What was weird about it is like you're in a S- Serious Sam level, except instead of like ten thousand demons, there's a load of crates and pressure switches, and you're like, oh, okay. This one is like, you know, it isn't that. It's it's clearly like moved along, and um, yeah, I just it's again like very, like very nourishing. Like it, even if you don't like fully click with all the big ideas it's going to like introduce you to concepts or talk to you about things which you hadn't really considered, you know, and I'm not like a student of philosophy, you know, I'm I'm far too, far too basic for that. But there's like enough of it where I'm like, oh, yeah, that is true. That is an interesting idea. As I, (laughs) you know, stick another fucking fistful of starburst into
0: my mouth. You You make yourself sound, uh, yeah, sound more inferior than you actually are. Actually, yeah Matthew, so uh, it's yeah. like
1: you're right oh mankind if it's like a machine
0: as i glug down my fucking
1: <laughs> second bottle of dr pepper
0: <laughs> yeah you're sort of like uh, a crop monsieur studied with uh studied with Rennie, basically right <laughs> um no no i think um i think like the honestly the number one barrier to people playing this this year is that it is a sequel to a game that you might not have played at the time and if you want to play that sequel then that is a long ass playthrough. Like it's not going to be a short yeah. experience, and so and then you have that that old sort of C- sequel anxiety of do I just jump straight in? And yeah. I know it. Pro- I know it is built for that, basically. But you know what I mean? It's something that yeah, people yeah, yeah. will probably it'll probably be a, a boundary for some people.
1: Yeah, I, it, well, the, the the tagline for the game is um, the past is prologue, which right. I th- it's almost like I read that as as them saying, well, the first game is like almost like a prequel you know like play this game and then you could play the first game to find out how like this interesting story actually kicked off like it it, it's it works very hard to introduce you specifically to this world you know Mm. like the first game is ancient history by the time you've turned up here you know this this almost has like the start of this is almost like a fallout game like the way you enter the world Mm. and like, who you are, and the amount of time that's passed from the first game, like, it's not just hand-waving it away and going, that was nothing, like, that's still there, and it will deepen your appreciation of this, but I, um, you know, it's been a long time since I played Talos Principle 1, and I I didn't didn't feel like there was anything where I had to, like, wiki it, you know, compared to fucking Alan Wake, where (laughs) I had to watch, like, 10
0: YouTube videos just to understand, like, (laughs) who I'm talking to at any given moment, (laughs) you know? oh god i'm doing a lot of that for control characters in that i'm like was this guy was this Finnish sounding guy in the foot in like control i can't remember so (laughs) there's a lot of that going on okay the janitor yeah well him i remembered obviously but um there was those guys that those guys fixing that little hut that um near the lake i think
1: they're i think they're new for it right yeah Um, so
0: but again deep dive sort of like wiki recesses basically (laughs) actually that's
1: That's reminding me another thing I actually really like about Alan Wake too is: um, Have you got to any of the the rooms with Sean
0: Ashmore in them? Uh, yes, yes. So Tim Breaker, Tim Breaker, guy. <laughs> but
1: basically, like their version of Resident Evil's save rooms where, you know, you'd go in and they're bathed in, like, a warm light and it plays a nice bit of music, is that occasionally you're in a very scary place and you'll go into a room and there's just nice Sean Ashmore in there <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, this is all right Sean Ashmore's here. Uh, yeah. He, like, he is kind of the Evil Within's Claire de Lune. It's like, if you can hear
0: Sean Ashmore, you know that you're going to be safe in a moment. <laughs> yeah, he's even hubbing as well. Yeah, like, him. Right. It's like you might as well be going... do. Do 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 it like the Resi Force sort of safe yeah. music. He might as well be doing that. That's uh, yeah, my Tim Breaker, my guy. Uh, Tim yeah. Breaker. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so Matthew, my last thing I was going to discuss was uh, I was going to talk a bit about Spider Man, but I'm going to leave that for another episode because there will be another chance to talk about that this year. So i bought an oculus quest 3 i thought i'd discuss that a little bit okay. because you know you and i like the odd sort of like folly uh hardware purchase on this podcast yeah. don't we so um it was my turn to to buy one i tend to buy like one big hardware thing a year you know whether it's like the xbox series x or you know oh well i suppose i also bought the steel battalion yes. controller this year so <laughs> that is still in the cupboard it will come out at some point um but yeah i thought i'd buy this because i got a I would say, like, a reasonable amount of use out of my Oculus Quest 2, and I thought, okay, well, I'll sell that one on Facebook to some rando in a car park who hopefully won't knife me. He didn't, by the way, listeners, so good, good news for everyone involved. Although he did test it when he was, like... He got out of his van and then put it on, and that was really strange. I felt like I was in some oh, kind of what way. Oh, should a man do VR in a car park? <laughs> I felt like I was in Westworld or something. It was all wrong. <laughs> um, so I bought this one. So the kind of, like... The, the proposition with it is is that they're trying to go for a bit more of an ar thing because the front facing camera on the oculus quest 2 was quite naff it's like black and white very rudimentary essentially just to sort of scan your surroundings this time they have put i would say like a proper color camera on the front but it's not that crisp it's a very like blurry feed it feels like you're playing a resident evil game or something like resi 7 where it's blurry in first person but the idea is you can navigate the space around your home a bit more clearly uh, because obviously you have this front-facing camera and you can see what's going on at all times that's cool but at the same time the whole thing with the quest hardware is a standalone vr so they've put made a little bit more powerful up the resolution of the uh, the display and uh yeah generally speaking it's a bit more capable of more powerful experiences but it's been a, it's a slightly odd one because it they kind of launched it with no games which is bold i would say right, yeah. um so i i think what what was supposed to happen was that their their big game for the year is basically asgard's wrath 2 which is kind of like this rpg action game sort of like hybrid and it's a sequel to one of their most acclaimed oculus rift games on pc um and it does work sort of standalone vr completely but that's not out till mid-december i suspect it was supposed to originally release with the hardware to show it off but They've got that. There's um, a remake of the game, uh, The Seventh Guest, which is a big, um, my dad, Kev Roberts' uh, favourite. He was massively into that. So they've done that. Um, before he was into The Saboteur, he loved The Seventh Guest. It's a very, it's a big dad game, really, The Seventh yeah, Guest, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Like CD-ROM kind of nonsense from the 90s. So there's that. There's um, End Dreams has made like a Ghostbusters game. I've not played that, but that's, um, I-, I think that got like okay reviews. I'm not yeah, sure. Well,
1: yeah, I've I've seen that in action. It was, it was uh, pretty smart, I thought like yeah if They're you get to get the four mates who also have vr which is always the challenge
0: yeah absolutely but they've you know they've given it as ever with MGs. they they put a bit of bank into making yeah. the games look good and feel good so that's good and so you've got that and uh yeah that's that's sort of it for now but there's also an Assassin's Creed game called Nexus that's out next month I really fucking want to play that that looks pretty good that's basically like a best of compilation of previous Assassin's Creed games like condensed down to like first person bits now the idea of jumping around in Assassin's Creed Vision in first person does sound like it would make you throw up in a VR headset but right. that's the sort of thing I, I, I just it looks so good in the in um, in the in the sort of trailers they put out because it looks like they've got like intricate first person sword combat and stuff and oh, right fascinations and and like jumping between rooftops and I think I, I I would really I think I'd really dig that and so that has the potential to make I, the use of the hardware. I but... hope
1: they have a scene where it like I hope the Assassin's Creed three bit is you just go and sit on a tree trunk and have a
0: sulkers corner. <laughs> <laughs> Just A little sulk in the forest. I th- no. They what they should do is they should do the boats in first person. They should do oh, that like yeah. cannonballs flying past and shit. That'd be good. But yeah, so that's quite interesting. Like a a sort of a, you know a sort of pastiche approach to the Assassin's Creed series. I definitely want to play that. But what it means is they've launched with nothing basically. So except for updates for games you might already have. So they've done an update, I think, for. They did one for Beat Saber, obviously, which is, you know, probably the most popular game on the platform, music lightsaber game. Uh, They're doing one for The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, which is one of the favoured sort of like light gunny sort of shooter survival horror games. And there's a few more they're working on. But the big one that people have been talking up is this game called Red Matter 2, which is kind of like this sci-fi exploration thing. I played it only a little bit, but that has i would say some quite amazing visuals considering the limits of the hardware As this sort of like standalone vr thing it's actually pretty impressive As like looking at cool sci-fi shit in really crisp vision and realizing <laughs> that if people actually do spend a bit of money making this stuff look good the hardware can just about support it like it's definitely not psvr2 in terms of what it can achieve but mm. i also i always think that the, the dream of vr is that is the standalone vr experience i think if you can nail that that's that's going to work and there's some version of your favorite game pavlov matthew that they're doing called oh, pavlov no. shack that's... that's an evil <laughs> game that's the idea of you standing
1: alone in your apartment shooting yourself in the head is
0: so fucking that's grim. got big like travis bickle 2023 <laughs> energy hasn't it that's that's a bit a bit dark i would say i think um... about
1: that all the time that's like genuinely changed me <laughs> <laughs>
0: so i'm not sure what the difference is between pavlov main and pavlov shack i mean the word shack is quite off-putting i would say but um but it just means that you have to to basically to find things that make the use out of this new hardware you've bought that you know costs you about 300 uh, to four to 500 quid depending on which model you get um basically means you just have to find a menu that says updated for quest 3 or to go onto reddit and see who's working on updates for quest 3 it's actually quite DIY and weird for a new hardware launch right. it feels like they should have gone actually here's our big new game like PSVR 2 however you feel about it Horizon uh, Call of the World whatever it was something like that I can't, I can't remember Call of the Mountain yeah. that was it yeah um that was like you know that was a killer app it was maybe not something you would play for more than a few hours but yeah. it shows you what the hardware was capable of and that yeah. is kind of what you're after with VR is you want something that's big and shiny to show off the thing you've bought and to launch without one is is weird, but the oculus hardware experience remains immaculate i think it's just a really one of my favorite pieces of kit ever just the the menus and also those menus looking even nicer now more you know even crisper works really well i think if when asgard's wrath 2 gets here if that game actually does does stand up then that it's a good kind of kickoff point because the rumor is they've got a Batman VR game they're working on. They've got a bunch of two st- different studios they own. There's some stuff they could probably port from Rift to Quest if they were in- if they're inclined and this hardware could support it. But the slight problem with it is because it's backwards compatible with all Oculus Quest 2 games is that there's maybe not an incentive for many VR devs to go back and make their games look prettier right, because right. you might sell a few more copies but you are dependent on people discovering your old game versus just buying a new one so mm. in some ways i think if the phone kind of like approach they've taken to iteration with this hardware might be bad for it i uh, don't know if you have any thoughts on that i think because i know you're not really tuned into that ecosystem
1: no not at all but i i I am like uh, fascinated by your ongoing relationship with it um i mean yeah, yeah it's hard to say because i don't know what the, like, the limits are do you think it could play something like resident evil village or is that like beyond it
0: i think that's it's beyond it unless they scale it back I, I, right it's probably it's probably knocking on the door of it though like okay. but again because there aren't like games that actually show off what it can fully do you feel like you're actually you, you're you not, not quite sure of the the limits of it so it's possible maybe I, I think they could like have a have a run at it um but yeah it's it's in that ambiguity space right i don't know if it's quite as capable of doing ps4 level visuals you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean my my relationship with vr is 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 mainly being wowed by the more traditional games which have kind of translated in like the resident evil update you know i'm really looking forward to the 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 four vr update they do i thought capcom did a really really good job with village with psvr 2 and like you know you know the gran turismo getting in the cars and everything and they just have like raw graphics on their side and i've i've kind of i've just dabbled less with you know your more abstracted virtual worlds where you know weird sort of shoot lots of shooting galleries lots of rhythm games, lots of things where I have to like duck under very fast moving bars and things like that which is just I'm just too old for i just <laughs> I'm just too fucking unfit to play v r that's the, that's the reality of it that's why I haven't played my p s v r too much' because I've just <laughs> It, it just makes me very aware of what a terrible state my body's in.
0: <laughs> I had to get on my haunches while playing like Beat Saber recently to do some fucking, <laughs> I don't know, like Linkin Park, Jay-Z, num-encore bullshit, and... Did got on my haunches and thought there's a chance, like five percent chance, I may never be able to stand up again. Like, guess <laughs> and that's the kind of like stage of life I've entered at 35 is it's just it's more precarious than it was. So, I totally get you. Like, sometimes as well, like it'll be like, this is a comfortable VR experience. You put it on, then it's like, I need you to move like sideways really quickly. And I'm like, that's not as easy as you think it is for me, you know. So, yeah, I totally get you on that. It's uh, <laughs> it's a funny one, but uh, yeah, I, I will. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep an eye on what's coming out i'm definitely going to get hold of assassin's creed nexus i'm definitely gonna get hold of Asgard's wrath 2 matthew because that comes free with the headset if you buy it before january or something so that's cool at least you at least you get as a pack-in basically is the the killer app so i will play those and i will report back but it's a bit of it it's one of the strangest like soft launches for a hardware piece of hardware i can remember because yeah like it's just Want to down- Want to make Beat Saber look crisper? Sure, I guess so. But yeah, there's probably more work to be done. But um, I will nonetheless pursue it. So uh, yeah. Mm. But you have one last thing to talk about, right, Matthew?
1: Yeah, yeah only very short, because is the one I've played the least amount of. I just wanted to, to put in a few words about Persona 5 Tactica. Have you been following this at all?
0: Yeah, so I... I'm fascinated by the ever expanding roster of Persona 5 games and wondering what they're right. doing with each one, but this is basically like a like a tacti- turn-based tactics game, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm it's yeah, basically exactly that. Um it has a few neat ideas of its own. Um like the way it's folded in some of the Persona rules, so you have characters with, you know, gun attacks, sword attacks, um and the, the magic spells that they get from their Personas. Um, but you can also you amass personas at the end of battle. You don't capture them on the field. You're, they're kind of given to you on these kind of cogs, and you can kind of fuse them to make new personas, and then you can assign a sub-persona to every character, which boosts your stats and gives you moves. So it maintains some of the monster-collecting element of the main game in that you can still create these like mad hybrids which kind of keep the moves from both parents and let you do all kinds of wild stuff so like individually your characters can be quite interesting on the battlefield um and it also has the the that thing in persona 5 where you know when you knock down an enemy and then you get another go to extend your turn that's like a thing here like if you you can push a an enemy out into the open and shoot them when they've got no cover they'll fall down and then you get another go and you know i'd say at the heart of most sort of turn-based tactic games that i like are mechanics where you can stretch moves for like impossible lengths and end up doing like 15 things in a turn i don't know if this has that flexibility but it, it has systems in place um has quite an interesting um do you remember the all-out attacks in persona 5 Oh yeah, Where of course. If if you downed like everyone, you could basically like bundle on on everyone all at yeah. once. This has sort of that when when a single enemy is downed, if you can position yourself that that enemy is in the middle of a triangle between you and your other two party members, you can do an all out attack. Mm. But as long as there's one enemy down and they're in that triangle that move will activate and it will hurt any other enemies so in theory if you put your entire party over a whole battlefield you could do an all-out attack on the whole battlefield
0: Mm -hmm. Um, that's that seems a bit op doesn't it
1: you well yeah i mean it's quite unlikely that they'd be that spread out right um like the the game's quite fast-paced like there's, there's 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 like big rewards for completing each battle in like five turns, so it isn't like very slow kind of XCOM mind games. It's about like pushing forwards, really like mulching through the enemies. That's the read on the early hours, anyway. Um, but I do, I do find it interesting that there is this positioning, extra powerful like positioning move, and that the three of you like there is a reward for keeping you apart, which is where they're most vulnerable. You know, because you're not there to kind of back each other up and kind of look out, you know, keep an eye on each other's backs or whatever. So that's that's kind of interesting that they have tried to do something new. Um, the problem with this game is uh, it's got this, like, it's got this, like, chibi art style, which I absolutely hate. Um, mm. It's powerfully uncool for a Persona <laughs> 5 game. Like, the character art, like, the fonts, the menus... It, it just feels really naff like it is not a, you know these games are like their style and substance this this has like no style whatsoever even like the text boxes just don't look right like the fonts they use the way they've animated just the shape of the text boxes like instantly like from the second one of those things pops up you're like oh dear this doesn't look right mm. um and I looked it up, and it's made by it's like made in house. It's P Studio, it's the Persona Studio who are making it. Uh, I just don't know what's happened. So I've made something like this lame um, <laughs> from this license. Uh, yeah, it's it's, qu- uh, it's quite ugly looking thing in a, in some yeah, ways. Yeah, it, like very I don't want to be like you know, Ooh, it looks like a mobile game, like very lazy criticism. But it does kind of look like like it's so s- graphically simple, and the battlefields are like quite small and linear it feels like was this a mobile game at some point like did this have like was it like some mad very fast paced take on like mobile tactics and it's been turned into this fuller game but um like it's depressing sit like this game you know that's such a key part of its dna is that it's much cooler than you are like it's meant to be you're meant to look at it and feel bad about yourself (laughs) but there are these fucking, like, awesome teenagers doing all this cool shit. And this, you're like, well, I think I am cooler than this. And that's (laughs) not right. Um, Yeah. It's like, it kind of adds
0: up to quite a bad hang. Yeah, it's... So I think that the Chibi character designs, like, they are contentious, but I think the environments look genuinely bad. Like, they are... They're just very, very simple, because obviously they're set in this kind of, like alternate universe kind of in place like well, it's it, like
1: all set in like a what feels like one of the persona mind palaces you know yeah
0: and so it looks a bit off-brand persona anyway because it doesn't have any sort of like you know verve or personality to the the location it just there's a lot of like environments that just have barrels and like wooden fences stacked yeah. around so it just it just looks a and bit it- wrong
1: yeah, I can in, I can see what you mean. In the dialogue scenes, the backgrounds are just, like, these quite crude 2D illustrations of, like, Café LeBlanc. And you're like, I have such fondness for that place. And mm. it looks terrible. It looks like <laughs> if I drew the Café LeBlanc what it would look like it's, 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 it's... Yeah. I just don't... Oh, it's so wrong. I just don't know what happened. I don't know, like... You'd think yeah. that would be, like, a brand pillar you'd protect above anything. Is that yeah. it has to be stylish as fuck. And this... Ugh, God it's makes. bizarre.
0: It's bizarre because it's weird watching Persona be in this place where it's being like franchise because I still think of it as the oddball RPG series that blew up on PS Vita. The one thing right. that <laughs> did blow up on PS Vita was Persona Four Golden, and nothing else did. And now Persona is such big business that it's on Game Pass. There are like multiple spin offs of each one. Persona five is basically a franchise unto itself. All these characters are like, you know, sort of like are probably bigger than any recent Final Fantasy character in terms of how well-known they are and how distinctive they are. And, you know, just, and then, yeah, it's just odd to see them in this where it's like, I don't know. It's, yeah it's just like it's kind of it, i don't say cash in but it has that vibe a little bit so yeah, yeah the fonts have upsetting me the most though matthew it's a just like, so
1: it's, yeah it really bummed
0: me out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't want to see Person- persona 5 is quite this a very special thing so yeah yeah, and like, yeah i
1: know that they've done this with the other games but like you know if you look at like the fighting games or like the dancing games that they did with persona 4 they at least were like coherent with the main game, like the same kind of character models, the same sort of illustration style. When you lose that, I think, you know, even 5, like when it did the, the Dynasty Warriors, the Persona Strikers, that looks kind of like Persona 5, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, the castings yeah, look
0: the part in that one too, right? They did like the proper animation and stuff. So Yeah. yeah. this just, I don't
1: know, like, is it, is it like, is it a push into a new art style so that you can like re merchandise all this stuff in this art style? Is it as cynical as that? I don't know, but um, and it's, it's quite—it's like, yeah. like fifty-five quid as well. Oof. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like it's—it's it's a weird old—it's a weird old thing. But I—I've yeah. I, only played like three hours of it, but I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm really not feeling it.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna skip that one. That's a hard pass for me, dog. I just, uh, yeah. There's also like I can always just go back and play Persona 5 Royal if I want to and see all the stuff that they put in that that I haven't haven't seen before. Right, uh, give yeah, that yeah. a playthrough. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of it's nice everyone can play us on Game Pass for 20 minutes, then move on, I guess. But um, bizarre. What a strange, a strange turn for the yes. Persona series. Uh, I honestly just in my head had filed this away as oh well that would well be good and only right, even really well, that's qu- I- yeah. <laughs>
1: You know what I was hoping for was like, oh, it's going to be really good, and I'd be able to like secretly bank it as like a my tenth game on Game <laughs> of the Year, and be yeah. like, surprise, there was Is this, this really year's good Proteus? game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Instead, I'm... it's like. Mm.
0: It's funny. We both we both do the four D the four D chess thing for the game of the year. I'm the same. I've got to have one game that you don't expect to hear on there, and yeah. I'm, there, I'm there eyeing up Amnesia the, the Bunker. Like, am I going to give this six <laughs> hours before we do the game of the year pod? Oh, what a time to be alive! Okay, Matthew, I think that's everything we we're going to discuss. Actually, I had one more thing here. Did you want to talk about the Pierce Portal briefly?
1: Yeah, I was going to say I, I well, I've played the Pierce Portal. I was curious if you had any questions about it. This is the playstation 5 streaming handheld device um which seems to have upset like a lot of a lot of the internet for not being like a new vita and not being an actual like handheld gaming device but being an elaborate second screen for your ps5 that only works by streaming from a
0: ps5 um, you mean Sony doesn't want to make another handheld that loses loads of money? I'm shocked to hear this. Well, um, it's,
1: it's like if you
0: go on any YouTube videos about the PS Portal, there are just
1: so many comments underneath. are like, oh, well, you know, this is so dumb. This just streams from the PS5. You need a PS5. Why didn't they just make a, P- a Vita with the power of the PS5? And you're like, have you fucking seen a PS5? It's like bigger than my house, you know. Like it, it, this, this isn't how these things work. It wasn't like they they were like, mm, should we do should we do a PS5 the size of a Vita, or should we do a screen with two controllers attached to it? And it's like those aren't the options. They haven't opted into this. Like, no. Actually, and the other thing is, people are like like it's two hundred quid you know which is which is quite a lot but like that is the dual, but the dual sense controller itself is like 70 quid you know mm. so that those components plus a pretty big pretty decent lcd screens and 8 inch lcd screen so it's bigger than what you're going to get on most phones like part me's like well, yeah this kind of feels like 200 quid's worth of like electronics. Like <laughs> like on paper, like what it is 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 a thing which is seventy quid and a thing which is 130 quid stuck together. So right. like yeah, I guess. I mean that uh. that makes sense. But I, I don't wanna sound like I'm defending it too much. Like it, it it it's um like it works as a streaming device. It, it goes through your Wi Fi route. If you've ever done remote play on PlayStation 5, it's it's pretty good as as far as these things go. Um, and you know i i'd say the screen is big enough that it feels a bit nicer than like streaming to a phone with a backbone which is the same technical experience but you know on a much smaller screen like this is this is big enough that you could feasibly like enjoy quite a lot of games on it um yeah i just i don't know like it's probably not for like most people but the the like 5% of ps5 owners it maybe is for like parents who don't want to share the tv with the kids or whatever um like it it does that well i think so that's my hot take it's it's <laughs>
0: fine it's sort of fine you know yeah your rationale of like it's a dual sense plus like i don't know a fucking kindle fire hd or something stuck together it's like i sort of get that in terms of cost <laughs> i i suppose i also think that why would you buy this and not just buy like a nintendo switch Lite or something well, like yeah, just I mean, you, know, you know like yeah. that's like but that's not what they're selling so i think no, like I'm just uh, i've just, but, I've just
1: uh, like, i'm not defend i, I don't want to sound like i'm overly defending the price of it that that not yeah. it you know it would be great if this thing was like a hundred quid instead that would be like awesome
0: um yeah because that's you know it's basically more than like well no it's a it's less than what the ps vita costs at launch but it's like
1: yeah you know yeah, it's, it's, when you look at it, you don't go like, "Oh, this!" It doesn't look cheap. It looks nice. You know, yeah, it's, like, it's got it's got like nice. It's very solidly made. It's quite light, but the the squ- You know, the screen screen looks good. It's very glossy. You know, it looks like something that costs two hundred quid.
0: But, um, you know, Sony doesn't fuck about with electronics, does it? Really? Um, PS Move and Wonderbook aside, but it's like. I just can't. I won't feign any interest in it because it's not. It doesn't have any appeal to me. But then I, I say that yeah. as someone who has not really tried remote streaming at all. Like that's just not entered my gaming lifestyle whatsoever. I just haven't. But you, you, had... but you
1: have total like command over your living space, so you don't need that, this. It's like,
0: that is a very generous way of saying you're a man who lives alone. Like <laughs> that is basically what you just said but you are correct like i i have total (laughs) you have total command of your space because you're by yourself (laughs) oh it is true though i'm sorry Um, no no that's that is true and fair i'm trying to think of circumstances have been in where this would be relevant i mean yeah, I think, like, the, the TV thing is true. You're probably more used to this because you and Catherine are fighting for, like, screen time, basically, to get to play different games. But I yeah. think the
1: thing where it, it makes the most sense, like, in my life... I haven't got one of these, incidentally. I've got to play one through work. Um, uh, is that, like, the idea of maybe booting it up in bed, you know? Mm. Like, the idea of, like, playing, playing an hour, of doing some fucking Dragon Quest grinding or whatever for, like, an hour in bed. Like, that... That speaks to me. Like, second yeah. screen I mean, of any kind, you know, or portable screen, whether it's the Steam Deck, the Switch, whatever. Like, the place I'm most likely going to be playing it out and about, I say out and about, outside of the living room, is <laughs> sitting in my bed, you know?
0: Yeah, fair, fair. And it's sort of like, Dragon Quest grinding? Is that a thing you we're
1: do? Well, not Dragon Quest. I, I was just trying to think of a JLPG, and I couldn't think well, of it. Well,
0: no, I was just genuinely <laughs> curious if that was something you were doing. So I thought no, no, like, all right,
1: you know, grinding my way through disc one of final fantasy seven on ps4 yeah Um, this would be absolutely fine for that and the screen's big enough that you can play like i i my mind went to jrpg because i think of those as like busier interface and you want to be able to read it all properly like i played starfield on my phone and it was a fucking nightmare (laughs) like reading all the stats and everything it just it was just too small it's like twice the size of my phone like it's it's very
0: very viable as a as as a gaming device. Oh man, imagine fucking doing a space battle in Starfield on a phone. That just feels completely incorrect. Well, I cause... did like
1: uh, 10 hours of my play time with it was on was streaming on game cloud or whatever it's called with the Backbone
0: <laughs> controller on my phone. <laughs> and this is why we need a break, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I had to go down to Devon to see my mum who'd broken her leg. So it's right, going yeah. like, you know, um say nice things about her broken leg, you know, know, like you do with your parents, Um, but I also desperately needed to get in the Starfield hours for this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, you know, I was sitting there talking to my mum, but then looking at my phone, she thought I was looking at Twitter, I was actually hanging out with Sam Um, (laughs) Coe.
0: Yeah, just, like, landing on a planet that had, like, one sort of, like, facility on it and nothing else, thinking, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> that was your weekend, basically. I mean, if, if there were two facilities,
1: like, the streaming would be like, oh, shit, I've got, I've got to show you two things, and then the resolution would drop all the way down to 480p. It's like, yeah. whoa, 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 I hope two guys don't come out of that door,
0: or I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a YouTube video in 2006 now. This is tough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, good stuff. Well, so, uh, yeah, we've, we've learned so a lot about... Esportal, I just thought-
1: Throw out there that it's it's okay.
0: No, I, I like that we talk about hardware a bit on this because it is like. Uh, look, hardware that we sort of like spend five percent of our time using is actually ends up being quite relevant to this podcast weirdly it just comes you know like the steam right, deck or yeah. you know just whatever it might be like the you know i've thought about the play date i've not quite opted for it yet because as mentioned the uh quest 3 was my big hardware purchase this year but play- yeah i think it's it's nice to hear about you know play date once that's got old um lucas
1: popes next game you know that that's that's when that becomes like a you may have to pay attention to this
0: now Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what the stock situation is on that, because I was kind of like... I've been watching the analogue pocket, but... I've sort of given up on that because I feel like there's a there's a mild grift element to how they do. We've got like exclusive colors and then it's on sale for like 30 seconds. And then you're like, oh, I have to buy an eBay for 500 quid. I'd rather die, actually. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. So no, thank you. Um, as nice as your uh, shiny Game Boy is. So uh, yeah, I prefer things that are in stock. That's that's my stance these days, Matthew. That's why we okay. want to
1: take a pause of the podcast so you can dedicate more time to uh, watching pre-order sites for the, for, for the play
0: date. Yeah, it's just very important to me. Uh, So, yes, uh, very good. So, Matthew, should we take a quick break and come back with our last mailbag of the year? Yeah, let's do it. back to the podcast so this is our final mailbag of the year thank you to everyone who submitted questions for the podcast this year we really appreciate it if you want to submit questions for next year's podcast backpage games at gmail.com and uh, there's a discord as well which there's a link to that in our twitter profile and also our blue sky profile so you'll see a pod questions channel in there where you can drop in questions and we try to we've been picking the i would say like a bit more selectively recently because we get quite a lot of questions in there and we want to make sure we're not repeating ourselves but we appreciate everything we get in there but yes submit your questions for next year and we'll uh we'll answer them as much as we can so this one matthew do you want to read out this first question from jack
1: yes hi chaps really enjoyed your recent spider-man 2 discussion you touched briefly on the length debate I wonder to what extent developers still fear their audiences will complain about the cost per hour of gameplay, especially with the rise of video game pricing. While people like myself welcome shorter experiences, do you feel that the majority of players in the West, and especially in the East, equate longer with better? Or are appetites changing alongside the way we consume games? I, for one, would love to see Atlas, for example, reel in those runtimes, but can't help but feel I'm in an echo chamber. Keep up the great podding, Jack.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one. I I 100% agree that this is something that players have begun to equate as longer equals better because they are inevitably being presented with big games that require a long time to play, and so I don't know if you if you are a bit younger than us, Matthew, and you don't remember completing Fable Two in about eighteen hours, you know, or right. Dead Dead. Well, I suppose you could play Dead Space Remake and you'd find out, but you know what I mean, like games that you know you used to fire through basically like a game a week in twelve hours, and it was it was what it was then I think that this uh, this current paradigm of Horizon, you know, Forbidden West being monstrously long is is what you're used to, you're, you're acclimatized to. So maybe you think more and more of games as things you buy like three, three or four of a year and then you just play those. And at the same time, I assume that publishers now have developers to measure this stuff. So they've probably got data that tells them, that drives them mad because they can look at who completed a certain side quest in you know an open world game sort of like you know the percentage completion stats basically and so i do think that equating longer with better has happened unfortunately but there will be a course correction at at some point Mm. if um data shows that no one is finishing their games and you know i can't speak for matthew who is unbelievably prolific but i've struggled to finish my games this year to actually get on top of all of them i've just finished spider-man i've still got ff16s like last few chapters to do and i've got starfield to do if you, if the, every game ends up being 20 to 50 hours, I think that's going to cause a bit of a bottleneck and people will just stop buying new games and that's going to yeah. create its own problems. What do you think of that, Matthew?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's, all, there's so many different bits to this. You know, you have the rise of subscription services, which should just make games so much more accessible. And actually, does does game length matter as much if you have access to many more games like is is it the individual game that matters, or is it like your general gaming time? You know, like do, is five are five ten hour games on a, on Game Pass equal to paying for one fifty hour game? I don't know. Um, the thing I find strange about the people equating like length with quality, or that being an attractive quality in a game, is that at the same time I feel like there's a lot of pushback on the kind of games. And the techniques that make games longer, like the idea of like we want games that are longer, they're good value for money, but we hate games of service, which are eternal games. I don't, I can't quite kind of balance those two things out, you know. Like the 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 means of making games big is to fill them with open world crap, basically. Like that's mm-hmm. where what the industry's landed on, and people are sick of that. So like, wh- what are they actually asking for? Like thirty hour. Incredibly crafted story campaigns. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what what people want. I'm hearing, I'm getting mixed messages, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's funny to play a Spider Man, which people consider quite a lean game, Spider Man Two. This, year. right? But it's still got, a, it still takes a fair amount of time to finish it. Like, it's about, you know, I I think it probably takes upwards of twenty hours for most people to clear the major map stuff as well as the main story, yeah. and like that felt long enough to me like I wasn't there thinking oh this is short for a blockbuster I was there thinking this is what a blockbuster should be in length it wasn't really it's only because everything else has become so inflated by comparison you know
1: yeah yeah I'm sure we'll talk about this in the game of the year episode but I think this actually has been quite a good year for for AAA story games getting their lengths right or having the right amount of stuff based on like how deep their systems were or how how big their worlds were or the kind of games they set out to make you know things like Resident Evil 4 Jedi Survivor you know a, a lot of these things were just about right in the same way that I think Spider-Man 2 got it just about right but yeah it, it's, it's it's hard to generalize though because like if I'm loving a game then yes I want more and more of it you know like mm. this year I played I don't know, like 150 hours of Tears of the Kingdom, and I love that game. I, lo- I wasn't like, oh God, I hate. There's too much of this. Like that, w- that was as much of that game as I wanted. um But then Final Fantasy 16 I was like, I would happily have had half of this game. You know, yeah. like it's, it, you know, it it varies case to case. You always want more of a good thing, less of a bad thing. That's
0: not a very spicy take. <laughs> well. Well, no one would argue I think that like Boulder skate Three should be significantly shorter. People seem happy to revel in that game in that world, right so yeah, I do agree it's about you know the context of the game itself, but uh, it just it feels like there are just too many big games jostling for attention now, and time is is as big as against is against everyone as much as money really, yeah. so I don't know if that is sustainable if you can just keep releasing like, a new 30-hour game every month. Like, right. I just... Where are people... We make a podcast. I struggle to find the time, but yeah, I try my best, But, you
1: like, know? the quality this year, I feel like we're owed quite a bad year next year.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. We need another 2020, like, two big time. Like yeah bring on like one blockbuster that's good and like eight norcos and i'm like there you know (laughs) yeah
1: next year is like gta 6 eight norcos and all (laughs) the blockbusters from this year that you didn't play
0: that is the
1: story of next year i guarantee you
0: yeah and like Final fantasy uh, 7 rebirth that's it that but nothing else yeah um yeah or just catching up with like the yakuza series then you get to the end of the year and you can finally play infinite wealth that's basically like (laughs) the journey (laughs) so yeah uh okay i think there's some good Good thoughts on that one, Matthew. Um <laughs> yes. Okay, so next one. Uh, this is from Jorgen Eriksson Steen Johansson. I hope I'm pronouncing your name co- correctly there. Or Hubert on the Discord. Much shorter. Uh, much easier. I- <laughs> Hi, lads. I just picked up the recently released Metal Gear Solid collection on Switch. MGS1 has unexpectedly become my personal MVP of the package. The unenhanced presentation has transport- transport- transported me back in time sitting on the floor in front of the telly watching my mates stumbling through the very first level in absolute confusion we were le- we lads and neither of us understood a word of english it might be an unpopular take but i'm glad mgs1 still looks like shit anyway the weather is shit the sun barely peaks over the horizon it's cold dark and wet and for me mgs1 fits the season perfectly what are your favorite game and season pairings matthew what are your thoughts on this one i know two classic
1: autumnal slash winter games uh, fable 2 and twilight princess um i will always come back to twilight princess as, as a great autumn game slightly dying world everything in that slightly kind of sort of burnished sort of gold you know i played it in a very cold room um uh, with the projectile shitting rats <laughs> uh, that isn't a part of autumn but it's you know part of my memory um that i think has got Good seasonal vibes. Um, like, winter, specifically Christmas, I will always talk up Last Window, the sequel to Hotel Dusk, uh, set in the the days around Christmas, and quite a lonely Christmas. The kind of Christmas where a load of lonely weirdos in an apartment block are kind of forced to come together and celebrate Christmas because they got nowhere else to go. Um, that has, thankfully, never been my Christmas. Um, but... Uh, again immaculate vibes i really bought into
0: yeah it's uh, i I think that weirdly for me the rockstar games end up being quite tied to seasons and right i I don't know why that is as such but like bully for example has like the full gamut of seasons because you're there for a school year but the christmas and that that game is so evocative it's such a great Mm. the entire town is covered in snow and i think because you play a child character you just remember the context of what it was like when christmas would roll around you would get genuinely excited for a time of year i couldn't even imagine what that's like now as a man who never gets excited about like you know oh we're in december great i'm a bit like the most excited thing about me with christmas now is i can go and have like one nice meal at a restaurant where i can order from the christmas menu that's basically like what (laughs) That's more exciting to me than gifts or like Christmas Day. Christmas Day, I'm like, all right, we just got to get through this, you know. And then like I can go yeah. play Silent, I can go play Silent Hill Two in my parents' I, room, like you know, yeah. I
1: never, I never really. While Oboehead stalks you, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, uh, some colleagues of mine this week were getting very excited that like seasonal coffee rangers were coming in at the at the various coffee shops that they bought their coffees from. Like Mm. special cups, you know, like Costa have cracked out their their Christmas cup and um, Greg's has cracked out its Christmas cup. And I feel like there's a huge part of the world or life that I'm missing out on by not being like a big coffee drinker. Do you engage with any of that?
0: Uh, I actually can't be do with people who use pumpkin spice latte as the basis for a personality. Like that <laughs> makes me want to just fucking die. Like I just, I really just cannot be doing with it. Like it's just not my scene. I really do enjoy going for coffee and stuff, but yeah. it's a it's a much more transactional relationship I have with yeah. it. You know what I mean? Has <laughs> that tickled you, Matthew?
1: Yeah, that's just fun. well, like our But I guess our equivalent of that is getting like very
0: excited by and making jc's kitchen a cornerstone <laughs> of our personalities oh, oh i'm very embarrassing in lots of other ways matthew just like <laughs> just not in this one you know I, I mean yeah it's true like christmas sandwiches are basically my version of this i suppose like the yeah. um the pret one's back so that's good that's always pretty um pretty solid oh, so. I'm, I'm back on the old um pret swedish meatball wraps Oof! I've not. I don't think I've ever had those. The wraps. I'm always concerned with the wraps. That there's just not enough bread content to keep me full. To like, you know, I get to like four p.m. You live. Sorry, you work right near a Sainsbury's, don't you? I'd yeah. be ducking in there getting a six pack of what's and I'd be like three bags down by five thirty. Yeah. That's you know what no, I mean. The, like,
1: the wraps are okay. I mean, yeah, you're right. The the the, the, the you know it's quite thin as 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 as, as a carbs go. <laughs> um, but and and there's always the lucky the lucky dip of you know what's in the swedish meatball wrap is the meatballs obviously a spicy tomato sauce which for my very mild palate is almost too spicy and (laughs) cheese and sometimes you'll luck out and like some fool will put way too much cheese in it and then it's just like a big fucking cheesy meatball heaven like i'm like oh yes this is amazing sometimes there's like no cheese and like too much spicy tomato and that's 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 quite a bad hang that means I'm, I'm i'm definitely getting indigestion from that thing um so yeah that's 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 swedish
0: meatball wraps okay yes it's, it's good and i can't remember how we got here oh yeah that's right like game and season pairings oh that's yeah right. <laughs> uh, no, no i enjoyed that digression i imagine our listeners oh, will too um,
1: you know you've been going to prep too much where they're like they recommend to you like you should get the paid loyalty card as in like we feel like we're taking you for a ride but you don't (laughs) have this
0: yeah i see the thing is they make that seem a lot more straightforward than it actually is it's basically fucking game pass for sandwiches and coffees and i just it's
1: mostly coffee it's like five coffees a day and what it has done it i sorry i don't mean to like turn this into a big pret thing but pret is now like a place which has food But if you go and get food, it means you're stuck behind like 50 motherfuckers getting their subscription coffees. And the people on the tills are so busy making all the variations of fucking coffees for people. It's like, who needs Game Pass for coffee? Like That's insane.
0: That looks looks like a really fucking stressful job as well, because there's that little one in the little one in the center of town. There's like one person at the till and then one barista making the coffees. And it's really bad.
1: I think they should have someone. They should have a till, which is only for like food people. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Like, cause I'm paying full whack for my food. I'm not there on a subscription service anyway. That's yeah. that, that's Just, that's going on.
0: Last last <laughs> thing I'll say about the pre- okay. menu at present is that uh, the um <laughs> that little New Yorker sort of like sourdough um bagel thing they've got that is top notch with the little crispy onions in it. That's actually like fucking amazing. But You I have to I go to. Well, no, that's because they only do it at Big Pret in Bath, Matthew, and you're going to Small Pret. Oh. Big Pret has, like, slightly, like, about four or five more things you can't get at Little Pret, and so... It's, like, five more minutes away. <laughs> yeah, on. that could be up to, like, 30 calories that you're burning doing that, so uh, you want to save those precious calories for the afternoon. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's the Pret thing. Okay, seasonal stuff. So, um, weirdly, I think I always tie Mass Effect to Christmas because I played in 2009, I played... Um, Uh, mass effect 2 for review so i I was thinking about that as my friend my friend andrew's been playing mass effect 2 recently and messaging me about it i'm like oh i could really spend a bit of time with the normandy crew over christmas sounds pretty good but let me guess
1: captain andrew
0: (laughs) <laughs> probably yeah but you know it's a bit less cursed than like you know yeah. him being like barrett or whatever the fuck was going on in his final fantasy 7 playthrough um that's like yeah rockstar games like i mentioned so bully is one but also i i've got such a vivid memory i'm sure everyone does of playing red dead redemption in 2010 so like in the summer in in 2010 mm. so i consider that like a big summer game because obviously much of what you're doing in that game is looking at amazing sunsets in the distance so I've like definitely I think the last time I replayed that I I definitely played in the summer and I I kind of get that sort of vibe from it and um, yeah even like um, I think GTA 4 is a great spring game as well because that came out in like April or May time in 2008 when it I guess like uh, all those years ago when it released but it's I think it just because again New York is just a great sort of like I don't. new york in the spring just looks kind of amazing because again you've still got those sort of slightly earlier evenings and stuff and golden hour and that sort of thing Mm. i think gt4 just captures those spring vibes really well because obviously they're just putting so much time and attention into the weather effects and and the way these things feel i think that stuff just like lands better so yeah i don't yeah rockstar games are a big one and then mass effect Mm. for whatever reason a little bit of assassin's creed at christmas as well i consider that a bit of a you know you just play the one they brought out at christmas at christmas yeah. and and see how that goes so but basic, big
1: christmas games
0: yeah but well, that's a that's a much more interesting pick you know so uh yeah but um hopefully that ticks the box there matthew do you want to read out this next one yes
1: hi guys i'm a late comer to your show happened to stumble on a recommendation on our podcasts and i'm glad i did uh thought it might be fun to r slash podcast how do you say that i'm not like a. I don't talk about reddit much r slash podcasts that's right yeah Podcasts on Reddit. God, oh, this is disaster. Hi guys, I'm a late comer to your show. <laughs> Happened to stumble over a recommendation on R slash podcasts, and I'm glad I did. Thought it might be fun to sort old to new, so I've started at episode one and I've just finished your episode nine Hitman special. And good luck making it past that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the one if you get past that you're a real head and you're in for the long haul. That was um, a great episode. Uh, it was a great episode, but it's our least listened to one, isn't it?
0: No, you're thinking of the James Bond one. That's the second one. That was like the one that no one listened to. I think like it took ages to break a thousand downloads. And then <laughs> when it did, it was still pretty low. Oh, that's like, what I'm thinking
1: yeah. of. Okay, well, thank you. Episode nine, Hitman Special. Uh, cheating gets a bad rap these days, rightfully. But back in the day, every games mag had a cheats page. Do you have any favorite cheats from over the years? Also, I was wondering, what are your guys' takes on digital games versus physical games? You might have already covered this in a later episode. We have. Uh, Game Pass is a compelling argument for digital will do, but are we really going to enter a paradigm where we can't lend, borrow, trade in, or sell games we've paid for? Where we pay £500 money for a console under the understanding that, if we then agree to pay a further £20 money... 20 money! (laughs) Twenty Sorry, money. This, this is making me laugh. 20 uh, money. He said, where we pay 500 money for a console, under the understanding that if we then agree to pay a further 20 money each <laughs> month for the rest of that console's life, we can use it to play some games. Once again, guys, great show. I know it shouldn't matter that you're two voices from the UK, but it's great hearing from journalists who wrote for the magazines I read. Keep up the good work, Rick. Sorry, Rick, I really mangled the reading of that. Oh, you're not going to get to this episode for like another year and a half
0: yeah so you're probably you gonna get to this yeah when you're listening to this episode in your nuclear bunker and like <laughs> the rest of humanity's been wiped out i just i hope you're doing okay rick so that's my uh i hope
1: you, put, I hope you took at least a million money with you as well <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so yes uh, uh so i guess the first cheats. part of the question is cheats uh, so definitely my favorite cheat Oh, like I used to like. I was massively into the GTA Three cheats because let's face it, that game was too fucking hard to like complete yeah. like a normal person. So, I was always hitting the weapons one, and I had that burned into my brain. So I could, I could still probably do that from memory. The 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 cheat for that one. Um, I know exactly when to tap the shoulder buttons for that one. So. But the the one I really liked was the dodo plane cheat that turned any car in the game into the dodo plane basically. So you would just be precariously driving like a saloon vehicle, like past some skyscrapers, (laughs) because (laughs) you've like very carefully like got this this car to take off like from a a little ramp, and then you're just like can't really turn left or right properly, but just trying to like sort of do the almost like arkham style sort of like gliding mechanism to keep it going and then just like precariously just sort of floating across the city i love that because i turned it on and thought i'm inviting complete chaos here and there's no real benefit to doing it other than like it's just quite fun but it's a you know it was the first sandbox game i played and that was fun enough for me to just enjoy it um, for mm. hours at a time so that jumps out i probably along with like the sonic 2 cheats where you could basically just have all the chaos emeralds and then just unlock supersonic by having a load of rings but what, what about you matthew
1: yeah i was gonna shout out, actually red dead redemption 2 is a modern game which still had like type them in cheats like it has a cheat screen and it has the, i like those cheats where they they're like a little like sentence so you like type i want a load of guns or something <laughs> and then you get a load of guns um that's very endearing um yeah i mean loads of variations on like invincibility and level selects in um yeah like mega drive platformers sonic and and all that that's that that's a given i remember james pond 2 had a cheat where at the start of the game uh, james pond 2's mechanic is that his body stretches and you can keep stretching up and up and up and then you can hold onto platforms and then pull your legs up from the ground to kind of climb up high but if you grew like all the way to like the top, like, outer bounds of the level, there were a series of items, and if you, like, nudged the items, which spelt cheat, you would get, like, a cheat menu. So, yeah, I remember doing that. Uh, like, it just took so long to input the cheat and stretch all the way up there
2: mm. that,
1: you know, we only ever played that game with cheats, so it'd be like, all right, well, here's the way we've started it, let's do the three-minute bit where we put in this cheat. Uh, that took ages. I mean, like basically every pc first person shooter which had like a console going in and doing like god mode to just like run around like murking everything because i was very very bad it took me a long time to get my head around like mouse keyboard um so like i played loads of games or like the is it no clip where you just go through all the walls yeah yeah. all that kind of shit and then you you just sort of zoom out and get to see like you know what a half-life level looked like from like a mile away or whatever and um yeah i did a lot of that shit
0: yeah i was big into that in um jedi knight get the game jedi knight as well like it just turning on sort of like you know sort of basically you can just float endlessly right. and then at- clip out <laughs> and then just like look at a level from far away and be like wow isn't that fucking weird like yeah so i kind of i kind of love that stuff too i don't know what the appeal of it is. just the rule breaking factor of it i suppose but yeah yeah, I don't like... I want that no one really... I mean, I don't know if this counts as a cheat, actually, because I don't know how you unlock it, but uh, remember Donut Drake, Matthew? We talked about this before. Oh, the um, big fat
1: Drake. <laughs> yeah,
0: that they cut out. They didn't add to um, Uncharted 4 because by then it had become basically like bad to, to do that. But I think it is still in like the original, um, the original, <laughs> the Fat and the Furious trophy is still in Uncharted Drake's Fortune <laughs> remastered on PS4. You can play that on your PS5 right now. Um, and the <laughs> thing is, I don't think it is appropriate to make fun of people for being overweight, even though like I've got, like he just, Donut Drake has a big me in 2020 energy after just ordering <laughs> McDonald's consecutively for 10 months. But... One comment I just saw on Push Square about um, Donut Drake being ditched in Uncharted 4 was, this is terrible news. I live in Merseyside and real people here look like Donut Drake. <laughs> <laughs> dot, 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 sad. That absolutely killed me. So um, yeah, but I don't know if he was a cheat or not, but he kind of like comes to mind as well. But um <laughs> got a few different ones in there but obviously goldeneye as well so those are the classic cheats aren't oh, they yeah. um yep so they uh, they go without saying really what about the other part of the question about digital games versus physical discs matthew so we do cover this later on i think like my take on this is that digital licenses have sort of killed physical games a little bit and the way that physical games work now as a kind of key for you to download like something massive onto your console means that they don't have like loads of value on ps5 and xbox anyway but on switch physical games do seem to matter still it doesn't feel like you need to yeah and that's what i love about nintendo really is that you pay your 40 quid and you just have the game and if you're not connected to the internet you're gonna have a pretty good time most most games don't even have a day one patch on switch you know
1: yeah i I feel like my opinion on physical digital will change massively based on what nintendo decide to do with the transition to the next switch right if they're like you have to buy all your digital games again i'll be like fucking furious like if there's no backwards compatibility or if there is backwards compatibility but it's only with like cartridges um because mm. i've most most of my games are digital then uh then i'll probably become like a radical like anti-digital person but at the moment i'm like reasonably pro-digital just in the name of like not having much clutter but then i've never really engaged with like trading and lending you know i i I tend to just buy things like one and done like i'm i'm not a very like efficient gamer in that sense like you know i know some of our listeners just from the discord are like really on top of kind of squeezing it you know getting as much out of every copy of every individual game and and um you know fair play to them i think this stuff probably means more to those people than it does me
0: yeah the other day though i was just looking at like a stack of playstation games i had and i had like resistance 3 and then like you know returnal and like ff16 and uh i think like bloodborne in a pile and i was like you know what i like i do just it's just nice to walk around a room sometimes and look at these things like it's <laughs> they are good and I, game pass is is compelling but they're not you know they're not in your collection and they are treated as disposable you do sort of like move on from them i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing cause I'm, you know like i think that game pass has a lot of upsides to it but I think it is okay to have a. As long as your relationship with your sort of physical possessions is quite healthy, it's nice mm. to just look at them. But yeah, I think yeah. I agree with you. If Nintendo changed the rules on this, I, I too will become. Uh, you and I will both to. I think go that's into... like my like Joker origin story. <laughs> 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 I don't think they ever will change that, though, because I think that physical games are actually genuinely valuable to them in a way that they're not to Sony and Microsoft in the same way. I think they're just. They matter too much, but uh,
1: I, I just from... feel like they've made me buy into their digital ecosystem this generation in a much bigger way.
0: Yeah, and like, I hope what, what, that what,
1: they what... I hope that they respect that that I yeah. d- that I've done that for them.
0: When I've spent forty money, I want my forty <laughs> money to be. <laughs> yeah.
1: I just when you were talking about just observing all these PlayStation games in their boxes in your in your flat and that pleasing you, that's uh that 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 made me think it's yet another benefit of being in a space which you fully control. <laughs>
0: aka single loser man okay next question (laughs) uh hi gents in anticipation of the release of the forthcoming metal gear solid collection uh someone sent this in a few weeks ago sorry about that i recently revisited mgs5 ground zeros while the main story mission is the highlight of the package and remains fantastic in the almost 10 years since release i had completely forgotten about the side mission called intel operative rescue this shooting gallery style mission tasks you with eliminating 60 enemies while escorting a critical vip to extraction culminating in a rocket launcher shootout with an enemy helicopter prior to the successful escape. All good fun despite not really being very stealthy, but the kicker is the absolutely preposterous post-mission cutscene when it is revealed that the VIP you are rescuing was in fact a 2014 era CG render of Hideo Kojima himself, resplendent with sponsored spectacles and a what took you so long stinger he presumably had to get into the booth to record. Obviously, Kojima is no stranger to ensuring his presence in his own games. That's an understatement. But this seemed to be a particularly (laughs) egregious example of the art form. Which brings me on to my question. What is your favourite example of self-referencing in games? Either in a positive or negative sense. Love the pod and keep up the good work. You make Friday morning commute that much more bearable. Thanks from Stuart and Glasgow. Cheers, man. Um, So, I actually think, Matthew, to conjure up a really recent example, like, the way Remedy does it in Alan Wake 2 is actually fucking rad. So mm. the control stuff you can take or leave, maybe like they're like, oh, the FBC's here or, on the scene or whatever. But I quite like the idea of not all of their references are just like it, it, it's literally from this game. In the case of Sean Ashmore, our guy in the save point station, <laughs> he is basically like a living reference to Quantum Break, and he obviously he is called Tim Breaker as previously established, yeah. but i think that's neat obviously the the whole alex casey thing is like a max Payne throwback as well that goes all the way back to the origins of remedies of studio you've got that clicked with the that combined with the actual crossover stuff with control and i think that stuff is adding color but it's not necessarily contrived in that mcu style way we've come to hate where it's an endless procession of blocos i mean sean ashmore kind of is the bloco of the remedy games a little yeah. bit so what do you what do you make of that as a as a take on this
1: yeah, no, it's, I mean, yeah, they really lean heavily into it. And I, the one which really gets me is is the Alex Casey being the face of Sam Lake, the voice of James McCaffrey, which, of course, is the same combo as Max Payne, the face of Sam Lake, the voice of James McCaffrey, except here he's playing another hard-boiled cop who talks a lot like Max Payne. Yeah. Um, like, whether or not it means anything like there is some fun in like oh i can sort of you know i can see how all this is related and um i like i i think the thing i respond most to is just i i you know i like the idea of a of a kind of a you know film directors who have like their acting troupe you know or the idea of game studio having that also like the same pool of like weirdos that they've collected over the years who they sort of find a reason to bring them back for like a little five minute gig or a little 10 minute gig or whatever like um nola north in last of us for example yeah right? that, that kind of stuff except you know i think like whatever they're actually doing with them and whatever their technical roles are in the story or whether they make any sense um it just reminds you that there are like p- people behind these games and their friends and this is like a, a, a social exercise making these games and it's an excuse for them to kind of bring these people back and there, there is such affection for these actors clearly um, and respect for them and I, I don't know I, 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 I get
0: some sentimental warmth from that is probably what I react to the most yeah I think that's probably like the most sort of like uh, in some ways that is the most interesting example of it I mean I was also going to throw in for example like I was very fond in the original Bayonetta of the Sega and Capcom references in there so there was a bit of like Kamiya referencing his previous work in there you know talking about Akami and bressy Evil 2 and stuff like that I like I like that stuff um yeah I kind of gave up on that for the sequel which is a bit of a shame but um as I was gonna say like uh, Sonic Mania does that kind of count like there's that's like references to the series there, but those are like literally outside observers going, remember this cool thing about Sonic that, that we liked in the 90s? And yeah, whereas Sega itself wouldn't have the self awareness to include that stuff, which is quite interesting. But that's arguably that perspective is arguably why Sonic Mania is great. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, Matthew? Any more to throw um, in
1: here? I, I really like uh, Dandy, Dun- Dandy Dungeon by uh, Kimura. Is it Yosh- Yoshio Kimura? Mm. Um, Uh, It's a game about uh, a developer leaving his, like, AAA background to set up an indie studio, which is exactly what Kimura did, and then um, running into this sort of, like, fictionalized journey of, you know, he's, he's, he's against this, like, massive evil organization uh you know he's trying to bring them down with just the power of this weird little indie game that he's kind of making in his pants in his room and that's the kind of the story that unfolds over this weird little puzzle game but you know kimura was um famously sort of in-house at um grasshopper and everything you can't help but maybe see it as a commentary on like ten cent coming in and buying all these studios that he grew up with Mm. um and then you know setting out to make a, a kind of a, a parody of that whole situation that i really like speaking of grasshopper it's not really self-referential but it's like knowing like a, a lot of suda's games like are very self-aware i don't know if that's quite answers the question but like you know it in flower sun and rain there's a lot of people who know they're in a video game it's do, do, does that count or does it have to specifically be the, the designers themselves in
0: the game uh what well, i actually doesn't really it's it's quite i don't think the design thing is so specific a case like it's yeah it's almost like yeah so sort of breaking the fourth wall is a, I guess a slightly different thing but i yeah, think it's, I guess it's so. a nice, example. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. example
1: yeah um david cage as the tutorial man in
0: fahrenheit oh uh, i still just think of that andy kelly compilation the from fahrenheit now where it starts with david cage going hi i'm david cage and this is fahrenheit <laughs> and then it Got cuts the most insane clips you've ever seen just complete <laughs> random bullshit an absolute favorite of mine i watch that video probably once every six months to uh pick myself up but yeah um those are some good examples i think matthew it's yeah. actually it's slightly rare because you have to have cachet as a developer to be able to pull that off to to begin with and remedy have worked really hard to build that up right so they're one of the only studios who can really get away with it and japanese creators with the likes of like you know, the likes of suda or Shinji Mikami have enough cachet to to be able to like drop that stuff in there and and for people to pick up on it and enjoy it but most people can't really get away with it because they're seen as part of a big amorphous blob of people in like a big studio or whatever so uh, yeah okay uh, do you want to read out the next one Matthew currently listening to
1: episode 149 and I have an urgent question. How would Matthew rob a bank with the house robots from Robot Wars? Would people control them or just Matthew? Are they sentient <laughs> in this reality? What robot would he trust to carry the loot? Yep, that's, so
0: that's a question
1: Image for you. 63. This refers to a story I told in that episode where we were talking about robot wars and I said I used to have a shtick about how I would rob a bank with the ro- the house robots from Robot Wars. Um, the key part of that story is I used to have a shtick. <laughs> uh, uh, long forgotten. I'm really sorry about this. Like, I, I was desperately trying to think of that episode. Like, what? You know, I spelled so much bullshit. I have no idea what I said 20 years ago about the house robots. Only that I said it a lot. Um, there was part of it. The only bit I do remember was Sergeant Bash has a flamethrower, right? Right. The house robot, Sergeant Bash. <laughs> yeah. And... There was one called Hypno Disc, which had a buzzsaw, uh, like a spinning blade on it, and there was something about the spinning blade sp- throwing some flammable, li- like having like a some flammable vial <laughs> on it, and covering everyone in the bank with some kind of flammable liquid, which then Sergeant Bash basically became the kind of hostage taker because <laughs> he <laughs> is the flames. Uh, that's how much as I can remember is that. If you like, if anyone made a noise, such <laughs> a so was going to set one on fire. <laughs> um, it's not like very creative. Um <laughs> you really understand why I was very unpopular at school? <laughs> if this was the level of my um, banter, yeah, um, yeah, incredible. Uh, would I? I, mean, I guess I'd have to be controlling them with lots of people. I had lot. I actually had another shtick about robbing a bank with a marathon. Like if because I had this theory that if enough people robbed a bank, they weren't going to send like three hundred people to prison for the same crime.
0: Uh, you know what? People should not have let you watch fucking Inside Man in two thousand six. <laughs> that was a terrible mistake on the part of like this country to allow that to happen.
1: <laughs> uh, I used to think a lot about robbing banks <laughs> yeah. as like a
0: thirteen year old. Yeah. Okay. So for uh, okay, so w- would people be jogging through the bank? Like, what's the the deal well, no, there? I just
1: thought the number of bodies like you have a marathon yeah. they all run in like the bank gets robbed you're like well we know it was these 300 people we don't know <laughs>
0: specifically which one
1: so what are we going to do like have we got enough jail
0: cells for 300 people yeah okay that is very clever come to think of it but yeah, you know not as... like
1: oh it's just not worth the bother let's just <laughs> let them go
0: yeah it's not as clever as what if sergeant bash set everyone on fire but you know it's it's certainly certainly has its merits well the thing the
1: the good thing about sergeant bash is like a human couldn't do that plan because a human would also be scared of being set on fire
0: (laughs) (laughs) but sergeant bash is like no worries yeah don't worry about it mate it's fine yeah okay very good um people seem to really like that 2001 episode didn't they that was um that went down well so i'm excited to do 2002 next year should be good uh okay next question hey pod lads what was your favorite or in your opinion the best piece of tap that came free with a game mag it could be something that wasn't even from a mag you worked on or even a games mag just something you still remember or even cherish to this day <laughs> trying to think outside the realm of posters or cheat code books inversely what was the worst looking at you ds decals or are they the best uh cheers connor and uh, let's not it's not time to dunk on Catherine's ds again that's happening every week at yeah. this rate so let's um leave that so best like the the best thing i ever got with a magazine was definitely issue one of the future mag planet game boy which came with two AAA a batteries that you could use with your game boy color <laughs> from energizer like they they went straight in when i got my game boy color i was like yes result. i will now play um super mario brothers deluxe and have an absolutely amazing time because that's what i did in 1998 or whatever right so that was good um but i would say that like most of the T- i don't think any of the tat got long-term use like i remember a lot of frisbees that wouldn't like go through the air like a frisbee is supposed to like that's yeah. my memory is like oh this magazine came with a frisbee i will throw it and then it just immediately flops to the ground and you're like okay burst into flames <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, how is that even possible <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> And then I remember like defiling the front page of a lot of like issues of the Beano, because they'd have stopped, like, attached like a drumstick lolly oh, to yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. like ripping it off and being like, "Well, that's the first four panels ripped off of the pay- front page of this comic book because <laughs> I, tr- I needed to get this sweetie there's, off of there's it."
1: There's no narrative coherence to this <laughs> mini the mix because I wanted this sherbet to dib
0: dab too ferociously. <laughs> Yeah, what you just described is basically my 1996. So that was good. Um, So, yeah, those come to mind, but they were just mostly shy. I got a really cursed mouse mat at some point from some magazine. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like one of those, it's like a vague 2000 era sort of like pop culture thing that had like games movies and I think I only bought it for the mouse mat got it out and it smelled weird and I was like this is this is bad um but what about you Matthew like the can you top the energizer batteries
1: I, I can't remember if it was Gamer or O&M that gave away like a little metal tin the shape of a NES controller um that was quite nice hmm. uh I used to store DS cards in that and just have it rattling around on my desk a lot I was quite fond of that um i think it was arcade magazine gave away um that game over book the history of nintendo um which nice is, is, yeah i i th- maybe it was slightly abridged but it was still i felt like the meat of the book anyway um you know and that book uh, oh what was the name of the guy who wrote it was it D- david someone anyway i can't remember uh, that book is still like the source of like a lot of the information we know about like, the origins of Nintendo as a games company. Like, most Wikipedia pages, you know, if you follow them back, will be pulling from that Game Over book. Because um, it was, like, before everything went sort of super locked down and controlled in terms of PR and things. So that was really good. In terms of bad gifts, I mean, the all-timer was the the uh, end-gamer ice cube tray that was made from the wrong kind of plastic, which, if you put it in a freezer, it just shattered into razor-sharp shards. Um, it was so hard, like... Oh, it was a fucking disaster, and we had so many of them left over that they gave it away twice. Uh, right. gave it. They had. A, there was like a another issue where we did like a lucky dip of like it was one of four previous gift, g- and one of them might have been <laughs> the ice cube tray. Um, <laughs> that thing was absolutely rancid. Um, we gave away a, a, an inflatable chain chomp on right. End Gamer, except I think the way you designed it like it looked right flat but when you inflated it he looked like it was like really grinning in a way that a chain chomp shouldn't and right. we used to call that wrong chomp in the office um we used to get readers to take pictures of like where like wrong chomp in weird places and then we'd print them in the mag um right a, a lot of affection for that yeah i'll I, I tell you one that was amazing i actually a uh, cube magazine the rival to ngc gave away like a an, like a action replay or game genie style disc for the gamecube that let you play import copy of animal crossing right so you could put that in and then it would load up and let you put in a us disc so animal crossing didn't come out in gamecube in the uk at all or not until quite late i can't quite remember it's like um, two
0: years or something ridiculous yeah so like
1: if you wanted to get in animal crossing this this was the way to do it so um
0: that was a good gift i used a lot yeah, there's actually some good examples there. I think you, I think that one like last one definitely tops the um the batteries actually because that was like a huge deal to be able to play Animal Crossing at the time. Yeah, but it's a huge deal to have
1: electricity.
0: <laughs> what is this the eighteenth century? Let's move on to the next question. Um okay. Uh did I read this one, Matthew, actually? Hey up there, large men. Mm. Uh what's the most ill advised game
1: based on a movie that you can think of? there will be bud third person brawler the shining fighting game how about apocalypse now hack and slash love the recent uh excel episodes as well cheers that's from just kai so just Kai is asking for us to imagine fictional movie times rather than actual bad movie times is that right yeah
0: that is right yeah and i i did like actually give this some proper thought um so i got like platoon as a light gun game that's just like the little taster to get started yeah um david cronenberg's <laughs> erotic thriller crash adapted by david cage so yeah a lot, of the, a lot of the same scenes with qtes you know just sort of like
1: surely that would be better as a burnout game
0: <laughs> that's well, that a good game one what oh, like the mode. crash
1: but like without the sex <laughs> <stuff. laughs>
0: That's way better. Criterion's David Cronenberg's crash. crash. That's really good. Oh, I heard um, I heard a podcast about that that film recently. I was like, what, what, what a lurid and weird bit of cinema that is. Yeah. Um, I've got like I've got Tar as a dating sim. Dark, dark. <laughs> yeah, dark. <laughs> I, I've got a much darker one to end with. I've got Zone of the Enders of Interest, directed by Jonathan Glazer. Matthew, oh. that's my last one. <laughs> Did not like that one?
1: Okay, that's what I got. What about you? Uh, all I wrote down was the Sims Dogville expansion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't want to imagine it's a Sims house except it's just chalk outlines and everyone in it is incredibly sad and being quite unpleasant <laughs> to Nicole Gidman. Okay. This is the expansion for you
0: there you go we gave we treated that question with the uh the contempt it may or may not have <laughs> served, so that's good okay next question um hello big blokes do either of you play much of a local multiplayer these days if yes what are your top picks if not what are the main blocking factors and uh, which of any local multiplayer games do you wish you could try out for a bonus, if time/slash will to live allows? What are some of the best/slash worst most common exclamation?s When playing multiplayer with friends, e.g., Matthew's famous yell of "piss." uh That was during Halo Infinite, um that's from Balladeer. Uh, I don't play as much Local Cop these days, Matthew. I think the number of games you can actually play in Local Cop is a lot smaller than people realize. It's like a tiny handful every year, really, and only one or two will really break through that people talk about. So I don't know, like it, it really, I think Mario Wonder is pretty much the last, you know, the the major one from this year. Mm-hmm. And even so, I haven't played it in co-op yet. But the last one I gave a proper go was It Takes Two. And I had the awkward thing that that game is about basically like a, a sort of like couple whose like relationship is on the rocks. Me and my partner broke up halfway through playing that game, oh, which felt a, felt a little bit on the nose. I'll you, be mean, you mean
1: you mean Doctor Hakim's hilarious
0: dialogue? Couldn't to that. Sadly, sadly it didn't quite work. So, hey uh... Samuel, what are you doing? <laughs> oh he needs to do more voices
1: on this podcast that's good but that's yeah. uh, that was uh, that was an impression of him that wasn't like an inappropriate
0: impression that's good that's good Bra- brackets this is not racist okay no. so <laughs> i'd like but yeah i don't um apart from that like uh i don't know if i have any of a really crossed paths with me recently like i like I say mario wonder i'd love to play what about you matthew
1: yeah i mean my boring answer for this is that you know the, the person i'd have to play multiplayer games with is Catherine. she is much better at games than me and that's just that's not fun for either of us right. like i feel shamed she feels bored um that's uh yeah so we don't do that uh, yeah like i just don't have a big culture of like going around mates' houses anymore. <laughs> I don't know if, if, if um, people my age still do that. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. But I, sadly, it's just, it's not, not the case. I I guess when I lived with Rich Stanton, we we used to play multiplayer a little bit. Um, you know, we used to do a lot of, like... Uh, it was more past the pad Geometry Wars 2. That was big for us. Um, Rich tried to teach me to play Street Fighter 4. I guess, like, if Rich had been able to teach me to play Street Fighter 4 he would have had Street Fighter 4 multiplayer on tap in the flat, which would have been, like, his dream life. Like right. The idea you could just play at any... But I was so shit at it that that just didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not a very competitive person, which is why I don't play multiplayer. Co-op I do like, and we, we will play co-op campaigns. Like, I, I really hope Microsoft get their asses in gear and, and make Gear 6 soon, because I, I really enjoy playing the co-op campaigns with Catherine in those... um so yes uh as for exclamations yeah just i say piss a lot i say piss a lot in general Like that's just the thing i say a lot when anything goes wrong yeah. like at work i say piss a lot
0: as well so. <laughs> yeah i don't really have anything like that i mean the probably the closest example i can give you for this is that uh me and uh, jay baylor sometime guests the show have like we got a big sort of uh, sort of uh, super puzzle fighter 2 turbo thing going on and we are essentially evenly matched to that actually we weirdly that we'll just alternate who wins games and we'll just one person will talk a bit more than the other one and then their brain will shut down slightly and then the other person will win and it balanced out quite nicely but there are just these instances of like hard pauses as we're just trying to like rack up the best combos or whatever and and like um destroy the other player but the 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 trash talk is very polite it's like oh sorry it really seemed like you're gonna win there and then i sort of like i did you at the end or whatever i mean it's not it's not all that, to be honest. Matthew is a bit... You can tell with Matthew that he's out of his comfort zone when he's thrown into like a competitive environment. That was the, the funny thing about Halo. It's just that you you felt like you weren't supposed to be there. You had that energy. And so and so you were reacting to that on the fly. And that was what was wonderful about it. And it's sadly why it was so fleeting. But I think it's beautiful because it lasts, Matthew. So, yes. uh, okay. Next question then. Uh, do you want to read this one, Matthew? Hi, chap. Simple one
1: from me. What were your favourite and least favourite subjects at school? If I had to predict, I'd go for Matthew's favourite being English literature and Samuel's being media studies. <laughs> least favourite is a bit more tricky, but I'd guess something like textiles for both of you. That's from Angry Cat. <laughs> I remember this question because it made me laugh when I read it. Like I, I just the assumptions made me laugh on Discord.
0: Yeah, and I thought it would be fun to litigate some of the less relevant to games questions. Yeah, uh, It's funny because uh, English literature was my favourite subject, and you're kind of right about textiles. I don't really remember doing textiles that much. Weirdly, I just remembered a teacher I had called Mrs. Wopples, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Which well, That sounds something. like an Animal Crossing character. <laughs> <laughs> it does. She was a rhinoceros, actually, in a dress. <laughs> it was... <laughs>
1: <laughs> she used to go rah, 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 rah. <laughs> every time you spoke to her that's how she started she played a little I, tune
0: <laughs> I, I think she's dead now in real life oh her. my god that's killed me that ass uh, um, rest uh, in peace uh, Mrs. <laughs> right how to get this back on track from that so um <laughs> yeah so i liked english literature i guess I, I, the least favorite i was not i was i hated science um mass government and politics basically real subjects that like real people have to know in real life to achieve things i just couldn't could be doing with any of those really but um it, basically any subject to be vaguely creative was good i never did media studies because my mum taught me into, like she drilled into me that like that is a subject that no one will look at university application and be like oh this was a serious. Oh, there was person. a lot of
1: sneeriness about media and film studies.
0: Yeah, but uh, th- if I'd have done that, I would have probably enjoyed going to college, which I didn't enjoy because I was doing subjects I hated, like history and um, and government oh. and politics. So, just yeah. think about the
1: shitty essays you would have written about Buffy the Vampire Slayer
0: oh that is true actually by not Yikes. doing that I, we have spared the world that basically and I can instead charge for the same thing on the XL tier of the spot podcast yeah like,
1: wait till you hear my fight club take
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway what about you Matthew
1: yeah yeah English literature I really liked least favorite PE obviously uh, I was always scamming my way out of PE P- because I had uh, quite, a while. I still have quite bad feet. Quite, uh, I won't go into it. I've better some nail issues and things. And if I played up like how sore my feet were, I could get out of um,
0: PE. Very much the sort of bone spurs of its day. <laughs> um, you need uh, to get yourself some uh, New Balance trainers, Matthew. Like that's they completely sorted out my feet. They're just like fucking miraculous 170 I've got new balance quid trainers oh have you okay never mind then there's no helping I t- you I, I, I,
1: I thought you were i thought you were winding me up because you know that i bought two pairs of the same trainers the other day to future-proof myself
0: how much are they your trainers
1: how much are they yeah yeah <laughs> well, i don't know like well i do know
0: how much is too much for a trainer well no, like so i said i spent 180 quid on the last two pairs i've had like each each pair Oh no,
1: these were like. I buy the cheap New Balance one. So these were like £90. But I bought two pairs of the same shoes. So, because I basically wear them out. And then I thought, well, this time I'll buy two pairs. So then I wear the first pair out. I've got the second pair. And, like, I, you know, I I don't want my costume to ever change for people who see me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you've got a default skin, you know, like... I have. Uh, I'm
1: very yeah. much like one of the Simpsons. Jeans, blue
0: jumper, grey New Balances. <laughs> yeah, iconic stuff, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Uh, so where, where were we with this one again? Um, yeah, anyway. Um, shoes. I tried to
1: get out of PE a lot. I hated PE. Um, I really hated specifically chemistry. Um, never understood it. I just don't get all the fucking... Bonds, chemical bonds, all that, all the fucking chemical equations. I never understood a fucking word of that. That completely goes over my head. Um, yeah. What else was bad? Most of them were fine. I quite like drama.
0: Oh, I like um, drama
1: too, yeah. You know, that was fun. Yes. <laughs> I used to do cooking club after school cooking club
0: yeah was it like breaking bad were you just there making like crystal meth with your science teacher no i
1: was there (laughs) making like a delicious tex-mex casserole
0: oh that sounds pretty good actually you never made that for me rude okay very good nice you know
1: because then you're like i can become like the source of my own you know food i can make the things (laughs) that's quite empowering um Catherine will hate listening to this because I don't fucking cook at
0: all. Your fridge like has so few items in it. That's what I observe whenever I've been around your house. It's like, because oh, I'm getting to that point now where I'm like, I have takeouts, take out more than I should. And I'm like, mm. I feel like I'm worried that I'm only making three meals a week for myself now. How did it get this bad? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah that's fine okay good um i think we've answered that one matthew so okay so someone the first question someone asked about in, in relation to this one matthew was someone asked what a favorite big supermarket was and i had no good answers to that really i like i like a browse around a way choice but i never spend more than 20 quid do you know what i mean and even mm. if i spend 20 quid that would just be like some smoked salmon or something because the prices mm. are out of control but i don't know i are going for like dried meats that sort of thing like the vaguely good cheeses there and you know like the sort of sushi counter is pretty good so i like that but uh, do you have any takes on the big supermarkets? it gonna be nothing to anyone outside the uk anyway
1: well uh, like obviously i started reviewing the big supermarkets on big oh, yeah. reviews. that's like
0: one of your jobs now
1: yeah it is one of my jobs um i'm always getting pinged about how popular my reviews are finally <laughs> um it wasn't my career as a games critic but as as a sainsbury's critic uh yeah i mean sainsbury's because it's on the way home I quite like the chocolate chip cookies in Morrisons at the bottom of town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One good. of the
0: two Morrisons as established. There are two Morrisons, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, that's basically my my, my take. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that forwards on to this next question uh, from Vegetable Tart in our Discord. It seems yeah. very nice. What is your favourite thing from the Little Bakery? Um, I've never been in a little. Yeah, the the little bakery is a bit like dog eat dog in there. It's a bit like chaotic. I mean, I first started going to that little during the pandemic, and the vibes were not good because there are lots of students and they're not wearing masks. Are you sure, that wasn't like... pandemic. <laughs> I don't think the vibes were good anywhere in pandemic.
1: I, I don't think it's fair to judge a place's vibes based on what its vibes are like in the pandemic
0: no but like you know there was that certain like contempt from students where they were like we don't need to wear masks because we're not gonna die if we get covid so fuck you there was that vibe oh, from yeah. students do you know what I mean where they were like we're straight back to the pubs because we're paying like I don't know like for, for like 20 grand a year just to even go to a pub that's basically like why we're here so they were like straight back in there and I was a bit like well I'm in my 30s and covid probably won't be great for me but I would rather I'd rather not die if possible so well, obviously, Little attracts a lot of students. There's a little bit of that, but the bakery is quite chaotic anyway. You'll come, you, you arrive there, and it will seem like I don't know that just people have just knocked shit everywhere, and it's a bit chaotic. But look, the answer is croissant, Okay, it's just, it's just good. So <laughs> Gosh, that's it. That's that was it. A big, that was a big build up to croissant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Next question, Matthew. Shall I read this one? Yeah, I will, actually, as the pod approaches its third year of existence, with many enjoyable takes, some truly wonderful moments of podcast enjoyment. Popped listeners in-house references a collection of truly exceptional guest interviews, anecdotes galore, loads of, loads of content. It's a very broad spread of a Discord and a Patreon with all of its excellent additional content. What did you guys think would have been a success when you went out to start this pod? Was there a point where you realised you were onto something? All the best for the next year of the pod and long may it continue. It's from Ryan Cobain. So I think that for me that I came into it thinking we needed that game review scores we got wrong like episode to kick things off it needed something with a little bit of bite that we couldn't get anywhere else that was specifically tied to our sort of mag heritage and i think that was that you know if you compare that first episode of ps5 versus xbox series x which is notoriously shit and we tried doing it again on the xl (laughs) tier and it was even worse (laughs) just a fucking disaster across the board like and then we charged for it the second time sorry about that listeners you know we made some good stuff since then i think like it was you know, like, but the set, that that like game review scores we got wrong. That was like our personalities could come out. We could be a bit feistier. We could sort of like, you know, discuss loads of random weird stuff, which is what we do a lot on this podcast. So that felt like the one to me. But you know, the fact that it's made us any money that anyone cares, because as people are pointing out, this is like basically when this is going live. This is a week out from the third year anniversary, Matthew, of the podcast. Like, that's I just think it's amazing we have an audience. So I do treasure it, and um, because. Matthew's pointed out this is the most organically popular thing that either of us have ever made. So mm. we're just keen to hold on to it and not make it rubbish. Hence why we're taking a month off so we can make sure it's good next year. But what about you Matthew? Was there a point where you realized it was it was really clicking?
1: No, I guess like there's, there's certain people, certain peers who like if they're into it, I'm kind of like I I feel good about it. You know, there's I want the approval of
0: certain people. Joe is a big uh, advocate for us.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, that 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 the right people seem to be into it uh, was good. I mean, you you do live in kind of constant fear of, you know, jumping the shark and um, you know, that's that's you know, it will it will happen. Maybe it has <laughs> happened. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's happened this episode. Um, when I talked about pret in the <laughs> Hot wrap in fucking tediously granular detail. <laughs> About ten minutes of the podcast. Man. Oh, not bad. <laughs> that, was, that was some rough going, man. I am so
0: tired for a Tuesday. <laughs> Sorry, I've really, I've made Matthew go and go with this one. I was like,
1: no, no, but it's fine. Um, uh, uh, you know, this list of stuff Ryan has here, you know, it's really nice that all our stuff resonates. Um, I'm really pleased with the variety of the podcast. Um. Like, I'm really pleased, uh, you know, the, the the guests who've given us their time and come onto it. I just like the mix of it. You know, I think if, if it was just one of, of you know, the various strands which we've baked into it, um, I, I I don't think that that would, like, work for me um, as well. So, yeah, I'm just glad that people put up with the kind of, you know, site grab bag style of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the grab bag style of it is, is sort of my doing a little bit like I... You know, I sort of one something that happens to me basically is whenever I've had moments in like job stuff, like the last since we've been doing the podcast, basically on tech radar or whatever, I've been like, okay, I can switch off my work brain doing things that are like more work oriented. And then my basically like creativity kicks in and I'm like, what fun stuff can we do? And that having that as a thing to like just turn on the last few years has been so much fun because I don't work in games editorial anymore. But I love, obviously I have big editorial instincts and that stuff stays with me. So I like this podcast to reflect that. I'd like to do some new episode formats next year as well. I mean, Matthew talked a little bit about, about some um, to mix it up. So yeah, like it's it's just been it's just been great fun to keep making. But if Matthew mm. wasn't into it, I'd stop doing it. But Matthew's enjoying it still too. So uh, yeah, it's all good really. Um, oh,
1: how can I not enjoy it when I get to tell everyone my exciting plans to rob a bank with Sergeant
0: Baff? <laughs> Set people on fire. Great stuff. <laughs> Okay, so this is a, in a similar vein, Matthew. I'll just read out this question as well. In a similar vein, as the podcast approaches its third year of existence with many enjoyable takes, etc., are there any white whales remaining, subjects you want to get into, or episode ideas, you'd want to do if only had the right guests, slash time, slash money, slash steel battalion controllers? That's from Serrano. Mm. So my first... I have, I have a few answers to this, Matthew. Yeah. But why don't you go first, actually? Uh,
1: So a, a huge hole in our in our guests we've had have been Nintendo Magazine people, which I'm very, very aware of. Um, And, like, each person I've tried to organise to get on for a very specific reason hasn't been able to do it. Annoyingly, a lot of people who I used to work with work on, um, work at, like, games companies or things, which are just just too successful uh, to be able to come on and, and talk shit about video games with us, sadly. So, like... Being able to talk to like N64, NGC people, kind of people I have a connection to, but Sam doesn't necessarily like. That. That's that's entirely on me. So that's a that's a thing I, I really want to get on top of. Um, like, I feel like we've we you know we've we've properly like broken down Zelda over the years. There's there's definitely Mario to be done. I always resist it. I don't know why, but like a big thorough epic mario ranking feels feels like something that will happen at some point the gameboy advance draft <laughs> 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 um, which has become a big psychological block for me um <laughs> for, for reasons i don't know um i mean you know your dream get on I mean, anyway you know god i the, the, you know the you know i love talking to other journalists but you know if, if we if we could get on people behind some of the games we really love and in the right headspace like i loved talking to jamie about that kind of game design um know-how and to like be able to talk about that with people behind you know other games we like as well that that would be really cool so yeah a sort of vague pool of things mario is probably the biggie like you know i was really pleased with the big zelda retrospective things we've done but we should do that for mario too at some point
0: yeah so we did do the moments thing on the xl but that felt like a bit more sort of like half measure didn't it um Mm -hmm. yeah so i think there there is the the mirror of that excellent zelda episode you did a couple of years ago matthew to be done for sure so yeah i think there's actually i've got loads i still want to do so Mm. obviously i want to do the game of the year 2002 to 2005 pods because that 2001 one was great fun i'm not in a rush to do 2017 onwards because i think that'll cover a lot of territory we're already quite familiar with so uh i would like to redo the 2020 game of the year pod though at some point we did like threaten that at some point that we we would go back and do that because that was actually like a low-key amazing year for games and at the time i don't think we appreciate it as such and now i've completed basically all the games that came out that year i'd like to talk about it again at some point that'd be cool I'd like to do a Red Dead episode when I've finished Red Dead Redemption 2 finally. That'd be nice. I'd like to do two giant men replay GTA 4 um, because GTA 6 is, you know, obviously bubbling up so there's probably more potential to do gta stuff next year so i'd also like to do san andreas 20th anniversary episode that'd be quite cool because that game is just singular obviously with its sort of scale for the the ps2 i'd like to do another episode on covers me and matthew talked about that Mm. um not done one of those for a long time but i think that'd be fun to talk a bit more about our mag stuff uh dragon age i'd like to do because there's gonna be a fourth one of those next year there's going to be um there's also uh i'd like to do a persona episode at some point or maybe an atlas mm. episode maybe to tie into that uh metaphor re fantasia or whatever the fuck that game's called that'd be cool or just one of the um or the persona 3 remake something like that i'd love to talk a bit about just their very particular identity that they have in the rpgs they make um matthew as matthew mentions gba draft would be good ps1 draft would be good as well i'd like to have more edge editors on the podcast obviously tony mott is our white whale really we'd love to have him <laughs> yeah. on but we've never asked him i don't think but we should just ask him really because you know we've had uh, all the edge editor episodes we've done have been fantastic Um, so that'd be good we'd like to do we've done obviously the mgs2 and mgs3 pods we'd like to do mgs1 and mgs4 we'd like to play those and have raw impressions of those and discuss those with matthew if um the ff7 disc one pod goes well obviously we'll do disc two and three that'd be cool um ps2 redraft we've threatened that for a long time um but we've just never really tried to like gather the people for that one but by the time we end up doing it matthew it would have been three years since we did that original mm. episode so plenty of time to talk about the ps2 again and i, I feel th- like we've refined refined that draft format so the first yeah. half's a lot better than it used to be you know so yeah
1: i think we've been making this pod long enough that we can start doing like gritty reboots of previous episodes (laughs) too so
0: yeah that's it and then but you know i keep it you know i always keep like one eye on the future because i think like talking about present day stuff like that's why I've never really let it become just a retro podcast because I like being engaged with games as we are now because I don't want to believe that the best days of games are behind us. I want to believe they're ahead. And I'm always, you know, both of us are always excited and interested in new things. So that will always be part of the mix as well. Hence why we, uh, you know, I really like doing what we've been playing. So they're a nice pause. People do like listening to them. They are some of our most popular episodes. So. That's good. But it's just, it's about the mix, like Matthew says, you know. So, uh, yeah, plenty still left to do. PC redraft, I might do with, um, might try and do with Jeremy uh, Peel and uh, Phil Awanyuk, who did our PC Gaming Classics miniseries, Mm. which now everyone's listened to on the free feed and really liked. And, you know, they were great. And Phil, actually, we just, he would be a really good guest to have on this podcast. Like, he's, you know, very charismatic, um, fun dude, much better looking than me and Matthew, uh, regrettably. Whoa, um... whoa. whoa. Uh, so yeah, those are those are the things we might um we might try and do next year. So um, um please look forward to it, Matthew. That's the end of the episode. So we'll be back next week with a new episode. What is next week's episode, Matthew? I've forgotten it. It's, uh...
1: it's isn't it a licensed games draft?
0: Oh yeah, like a draft episode. That's fun. If I so, have last... no
1: fucking idea what that is.
0: <laughs> no, I will. I'll send you some categories after this, uh, so yeah. you can think about it. But uh, I've got some ideas. It's going to be good. There'll if be you like think I'm replaying any licensed games for that. You no it's okay he's coming mister <laughs> <laughs> thank you for setting expectations for me and the listeners as low as possible <laughs> no no but- i'm
1: gonna just I, re- I remember them these games are so good they're burnt in
0: the mind <laughs> so that's good and then on the XL tier we will have the uh, david fincher movies ranked as well oh, that's going gonna out. be intolerable isn't it <laughs> yeah it is. it's a really unsufferable end to the uh patreon content for 2023 uh uh three so that's good um but yeah, if you'd like to send us questions for future episodes, backpagegames at gmail.com if you'd like to email us. And then there's the uh, the, the channel on the uh, Discord as well. Matthew, where can people find you on social media? I'm at
1: MrBasil underscore pesto on Twitter. And I am at Basil no
0: underscore pesto on Blue Sky. Matthew's got no fucking Blue Sky content. I've seen it. He's complaining oh, about engagement. Don't,
1: I, I don't know what to do. Like, like, do I post it on both places? I, fi- I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do with it.
0: I got unfollowed on Blue Sky the other day, and I was like, this is fucking rude. (laughs) That's fucking rude. There's, like, no content on here. Surely, like, even my inane shit is better than, like, nothing, you know? But Yeah, there uh, is,
1: like, even famous people only get, like, 500 likes. It feels like anyone can win
0: that place, you know? Yeah, it does feel wrong somehow. It feels like, I don't know, just sort of like a really it feels like you know you've got paramount plus and everyone else has got netflix you know what i mean it's just like no one's really paying attention but yeah anyway okay so matthew the podcast is done see you next week goodbye bye